0: of you and welcome back to another episode of Downtime with Hadja, a television and film podcast for those of us who love to talk about TV. This podcast is going to be bringing you takes, reviews, discussions, talking about what we are watching, what you are watching and telling you why we should all be watching. I'm your host, Hadja, and today we will be discussing the season finale of Succession Season 3. I am joined once again by Adil, but my successor correspondent for the season but also today we have a very special guest um, his name is Iwe and I will allow him to introduce himself to our listeners and he will just briefly tell us his journey with the show um, the people he's most a fan of even though I guess for him that's a complicated question and how he felt about the season and then obviously Adol will also say how he thought about the this, this season and the season finale okay Spitfire let's go <laughs>
1: <laughs> um yeah thank you so much for having me Um, really glad to be here uh my journey with the show has been an interesting one i've been following it since the beginning so it's been very interesting to watch how people have grown or i guess not grown over the course of you know three good years and um I really enjoy following things in the in the financial world in the media world, so this show was a really big fit for me, and I guess some people might call it the modernized twenty first century version of Game of Thrones and mm-hmm. I guess those I think those people are a little bit reductive, but those people are also yeah. very right so yeah. so yeah um it's it's been cool seeing all that, and I tend to be a Kendall person, but not in a not in a way that exonerates him. I'm very much mm-hmm. on his head about everything he's doing and he doesn't listen to me anymore, which is why he's failing <laughs> these days. So so yeah, but I also really enjoy watching Greg. I enjoy listening yeah. to Logan because for everything that he is, he's usually kind of right in mm-hmm. about the things that he's saying. Mm -hmm. and um I support Shiv too but she disappoints me at times so we'll see how that goes and I guess we can therapize all of that as we continue this conversation
0: you know what I love about this is that like everywhere and I have suddenly sort of formed a team and it's Adol just gonna be defending Shiv (laughs) but of course Adol what did you think about the entire season and the season finale
2: um I've loved the whole season as usual Mm -hmm. Like, I did, to be honest, I did have some doubts, like, during the season. Mm-hmm. I was like, maybe, is it, like, like are they going to thread everything together? But I always had faith. And, yeah, the finale just delivered. Like, whatever I thought was going to happen, it just, like, I don't know, it just exceeded all the expectations. And, yeah, I just can't wait to talk of about the finale. But, yeah. So, yeah, so I, mean, I thought I this was... Much
0: no, that's fine. Honestly, I thought this was a fantastic episode of television from start to finish the stakes were there the emotions were there the performances were there I feel like even from the characters that we don't sort of it's like I feel like Alan Ruck is often very much um who plays Connor he's very much there for like comedic relief he doesn't really get the emotional beats that a lot of the other characters do But I feel like his I am the eldest son speech was a winner for me. To me, it was one of the most memorable parts of the episode, if not like one of my favorite bits. I think they really just go into... I think uh, obviously as I'm sure people are aware like this show is a lot about what is left unsaid and the subtext and I feel like he's a character who you know you sort of have to guess a lot of his history and you have to guess a lot of what's going on with him and I like that this sort of speech sort of cracked that a little bit and we're getting a little bit more you know and I and I really enjoyed that but as a whole I love the season I love the finale it was so poetically done I think that I, I, I think the hallmark of good writing is being able to surprise your viewers, but not in a way that is like, this doesn't make sense. I think I love, I always say to people that like a twist that appends the entire story is not a twist. It's just, um, it's just a diversion, but a twist that it's allows you. you- yeah, it's just shock, shock value. And it's not a real way to tie narrative threads together. But I think a twist that sort of confirms everything, you know, about the characters and puts them in a position that is believable. And, you know, their choices are, you know, very believable, if not, you know, damaging to to the characters is a perfect one. And I think that they rounded it up amazingly. And I just... Yeah, I, I can't praise this show enough. Like, I've been praising this show since 2018. I've been begging people to watch it, and I really, really hope that they, that they finally, you know, listen <laughs> or they finally get it if they didn't before. And this episode was just packed with, there's so much to talk about. It was packed with so many allusions. It was packed with so many references. It was packed with so many visual, um, beautiful visual images packed with revelations packed with, again, I think the performances in this episode really did it for me. Like Brian Cox at the end, brutally just, a, just a magnificent actor. I just can't get like, get enough. Sarah Snook, amazing. Jeremy Strong, need I say more? Like, I just feel like everyone and Kieran Culkin for me was sort of like my MVP in a way, because he really delivered.
1: Exactly. Every way possible. Yeah, that, that yeah, man Adol- his entire being
0: yes yes he really does i think i think it's just sort of like the hangover shakes that he has um that are sort of throughout that the, that entire final scene and even you know his doubt at the very beginning with when they meet with alexander skarsgard but again obviously this is all just me sucking the dick of the show so i'm going to quickly just do our usual sort of recap And then we're just going to get straight into the meat of the episode. Okay. So the episode begins with Logan reading a children's book to Iverson through which we learn that Kendall is okay. The other set of children, the Roy children and co play a monopoly game and Logan and Roman head to Mattson's Swiss villa now his market cap has beat Waystar's and they need to iron out a deal, a new deal perhaps. Matson then proposes buying Waystar and structuring the board real nice for Logan. The siblings stage an intervention that goes awry when Connor vehemently declares that he is the eldest son. And then we have the wedding reception of Lady Caroline, which is followed by a gut-wrenching car park scene where Kendall confesses his crime to his siblings. The siblings then realise that Waystar being bought is a real possibility and scramble to make plans to stop it. Greg and Tom discuss his prospects at European royalty and the kids travel to a chateau to confront their father, and are met with a horrible defeat and betrayal. So that is my recap of the episode, and we're just going to go straight into it. So from the very beginning of the episode, I like sort of the way that they dealt with the Kendall thing. I, I, you know, because obviously all the speculation that he had died last week, um, because everybody's new here, I wanted to ask you like, what did you think he has died? And what do I guess both of you think of the takes about how there was nowhere to go with this character, bloody blah blah, 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 Obviously we're going to get more to that later, but sort of how did you guys feel about the way that they dealt with last week's cliffhanger or not so cliffhanger?
1: Well, I feel that anyone who thinks there's nowhere left to go for Kendall um, hasn't really considered all the possibilities mm-hmm. because of course drama is found in, in the space between where you are and what you want. And mm-hmm. it comes from the failures on the journey there, right? And what Kendall does is, you know, he, as Jeremy Strong himself has said, Kendall thinks he's flying, but he's about to fall, right? So, you know, all of this um, in Kendall's journey could lead to a, a lot of different places and we see him fail over and over and over again, but he still hasn't exactly reached where he thinks he wants to be. He's now at a point Mm -hmm. where he's at rock bottom and he feels it's no Mm -hmm. longer possible to get where he wants to be. But Mm -hmm. maybe where he wants to be is not where he's actually meant to be. And I think he's potentially at a point where he's finally realizing that. And now that Mm -hmm. he has renewed kinship with his siblings, he could be going Mm -hmm. to a whole new place with them Mm -hmm. where they could find a whole new power or they could find Mm -hmm. defeat. But they'd be doing it yeah. together. And that's new for him. Because it's yeah. new for him, it's new for the story.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: And, and I didn't I think he was I d- dead.
0: Same, I, I didn't think so either. But uh, Adol, what did you think of the way that they dealt with the last week's ending?
2: Uh, I think like we spoke about it a bit last episode. But like again, mm-hmm. I think the people that said that there's nowhere to go are like not really paying attention to what the show actually is. Mm-hmm. Firstly, and right. But like... So, like, they're not really, because, again, everyone's saying, like, nothing changes or whatever, like, whatever they were saying. Again, they Mm -hmm. don't, they're not, they think it's, like, like, a huge, like, plot, like, stuff is going to happen. But really, it's just about the character. And there was, like, he finally got his, like, catharsis, I guess, from the whole, you know, like, murder incident. I think it's interesting, like, how he, he like, I don't know, like, do you guys, like, firstly think he is a murderer or not?
0: Okay, we're going to get to that, so let's not rush, let's not rush. Oh, should we get rush? to that? Okay,
2: okay. We we're going to get to that, too. but,
0: yeah, but like... <laughs> <laughs> let's not disappoint. But yeah, I
2: thought, like, but I thought, I guess, yeah, they're, they're, like, I didn't expect them to kill him off, but... I,
0: I mean, I, I think the strongest off. thing for me was that I just don't think that you let go of Jeremy Strong as an actor in the same way that they didn't kill off Logan, exactly. because I feel like brian cox is a powerhouse and i feel like if you have that guy on your team you keep him around for as long as it makes sense for your story and i just didn't agree that it didn't make sense for you know candle to be
1: alive but i'm glad that we
0: yeah yeah sorry but i'm glad that we cleared that up um everybody did you have something to say
1: no i was gonna say like imagine having both those guys on payroll and just letting (laughs) them go what being the (laughs) one show on earth that has both those guys you, if you are the one show on earth that has both those guys you want to stay the one show on earth that has both those guys so even j- just from that logistical standpoint it was kind of doubtful that Kendall would die but I definitely was afraid that that might be the case I think the show wanted us to strongly consider that more than we ever had but at my oh. core I sort of believed that he would that he was fine or at least I, I strongly hoped
0: hmm. Great. OK, so I just want to start with a couple things that we have at the beginning of the episode, sort of just like things that I found really interesting. So Logan is um, reading from a children's book um, and he's reading this book to Iverson. And the book that Logan is reading is a children's book and it's called The Three-Legged Cat. And I thought it was really interesting. So I'm going to read sort of the synopsis of the book and what I believe sort of the implications are. Um so the book follows an orange cat with three legs. The cat is um unlike a drifter and it lives with an old lady. And so one day a drifter comes in for a cup of tea, where he leaves the cat um and the cat poses as like an one of the, the drifter's wig, an orange wig. And so the drifter obviously takes the cat instead of his wig and the cat is finally able to see the world with the drifter unlike he had seen it before. The cat's eyes are opened and he discovers things about the world that are not what he originally believed. So I sort of believe that the major theme of this book is to travel and sort of to see the world from your own eyes. And I think that it's this idea of like falsely imagining the world compared to truly seeing it. And I think there's a great deal in this entire season about delusions being sort of defeated or diluted um, and sort of true like natures or the true nature of things being unveiled and I think that happens in this episode but I think particularly in this season for characters like Kendall, for Roman, for Shiv I think there's this idea of seeing your parent for what they really are I also feel like this is something that I find interesting in in terms of the Connor character, because as much as he's sort of sidelined and everything, I think out of all the children, he's the one with no misgivings about who their dad really is. And so, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. The monopoly game was also interesting, particularly when Willa says that she doesn't want Tennessee Avenue because it doesn't feel right, which is so funny because Tennessee Avenue is one of like the orange pieces in monopoly. It's like one of the best you can get. It's like, the valuable properties so I just thought it was really interesting because I thought that that very much paralleled the sort of marriage proposal it's like I know this could be a good thing I know this will bring me money and wealth and security but it doesn't feel right and I don't want it um so I just thought that that was interesting so but what did you guys think of the monopoly game and this idea of seeing things for what they really are
1: I had considered it pretty uh deeply actually and I'm glad you pointed out the thing about Tennessee Avenue because right from the point where i saw them playing that game i had a feeling that there was uh there was a lot to unveil in there because it's not yeah. often you see people who are actual monopoly characters playing monopoly you know <laughs> yeah. so i yeah. mean the way that's very on
0: the the way that
1: they were talking exactly you know the, the way that they were talking to each other the assets that they wanted didn't want the way people interacted it was very you know Um, telling of the kinds of people that they are. And it was reminiscent of the ways we've actually seen them do business. You know, the three-legged cat is an interesting reference as well, because I thought a lot about that story and what it implied. And I like what you pointed out here about how it really brings in the notion of revelation from disillusionment. And I think that um, the fact that Logan is reading it to Iverson is even more interesting because, you know, he uh, he at some point asks if this is too young for him, you know. But in in a sense, this is a rather morbid story, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's something that is for children, right? But most mm-hmm. of the stories we were read as children are actually kind of morbid. I mean, Hansel and Gretel yeah. comes to mind, for example, right? <laughs> yeah. But do we. People use these stories to teach children lessons about life, but children aren't Mm -hmm. really picking up those lessons at face value. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. the actual morbidity of what's going on is lost on them until they kind of reflect later. So it's sort of Mm -hmm. an ongoing lesson, an ongoing revelation, which is also what's happening in that story. So, I mean, him calling Kerry, whom, well, at at this point, I think it's common knowledge that I have beef with Kerry, but he called her and asked her for a different story. I mean, that, that says a lot too. You know he Ooh. he listens to Sophie and such, and mm-hmm. you know when she when she says that Iverson likes that sometimes, and Iverson confirms mm-hmm. that, and he kind of mm-hmm. removes that because we, as we all know, Logan doesn't like signs of weakness in yeah. his offspring. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think I really like that point that you point out, especially in terms of like it is like the fact that it's Logan reading it to him, and I think there's something about the fact that Logan sees himself as like a truth teller. And someone who, you know, exactly. sees the reality of the world. And yet he sort of like, sort of doesn't see or doesn't understand that this, and I don't know, like, I guess a lot of the failings of the royal children is their delusion, their lack of connection to reality and their lack of connection to the way things really are. And I think it's just interesting that a story about discovering the world for yourself where his children are so sheltered that it disappoints him is really interesting. Cause it's just a bit of, it's very kind of ironic if you think about it, because he spends so much time being disappointed in these kids that they don't know, shit they don't know shit about fuck. Like they, they can't do anything. They're so dependent yeah. on him. That, you know, he, you, this is very much materialized in this episode by the end, he wants them to be their own man, woman, whatever. Um, and I think it's just interesting that he sort of, in a moment where he can teach someone how to see the world really he doesn't see like the merits of that but i also think it's sort of as you said the picture book the the infantilization of this boy who he thinks is old enough to sort of get to grips with reality which is just just an interesting choice and they did a lot of things with children's book this season from like the too much birthday the berenstein brothers book to the you know Lion in the Meadow which was also a children's book um so I think that that's something interesting that they've done throughout the season but yeah sorry just add do like what did you think about you know the Monopoly game because I remember you you messaged me about it saying that you really enjoyed that so I just wanted to add that yeah in.
2: like I'd even say like on your point about the children's book I think even like Monopoly I think I think um like when Wheeler catches Shiv like cheating and the way the siblings kind of act like it was perfectly normal. I think that told us a lot about how they played and how Logan used to read to them when they were children and how they used to play Monopoly and kind of like how they were raised. I think that's kind of how I like I read into it. And I think it's interesting because like we spoke earlier in this in the season when someone tweeted something about oh like I wish we got like a succession prequel to see how they were raised. But I feel like this season we got so much, I felt mm-hmm. like, on how they were raised, how the experience mm-hmm. was like, you can just imagine like Logan reading to Kendall or mm-hmm. obviously he probably didn't read to Roman because Roman can't remember, how, doesn't have like any memories of that, but, or reading to Kendall or Connor or whoever, and like, it must've been the same way in the same with when they played like Monopoly, you can just picture them like him, like encouraging them to cheat and do whatever to win like a Monopoly game. So yeah, that's just what I read into it.
1: Okay,
0: that's perfect. I really like that. And I really love this point about how, like, they tell us a lot about how these these children's childhood, like, was um, just through sort of, like, subtext and just through the way that they interact as adults. I remember you pointed out in our Too Much Birthday episode that the way that Kendall pushes sorry roman pushes candle onto the floor it's very much like playground antics like very much childish behaviors and because they behave like children even as adults like even people who are 40 years old 30 something years old you sort of can see that without them literally doing a throwback episode and being like oh my god look at the baby roy's um, and obviously through conversations like yeah. the conversation that siobhan has with her mother so i really like that
1: one of my favorite things about that scene where he um um uh, where where Roman pushes Kendall to the floor. One of the first things I noticed actually was the fact that Connor screams out, hey, you know, he's trying to get them to stop, which is probably what would have happened when they were younger. You know, like I'm a first child myself, you know, so I've actually been in that situation. So it was very easy for me to kind of um sort of pick up that wavelength and it, it was it was just one of the things that contributed to how um how painful it was to watch that scene in too much birthday you know and and now you know logan saying that he wants them to maybe find themselves or he feels that this will teach them more things about themselves in the world sure that's cool but it's also very disingenuous of course because he's never really equipped them to aspire to anything beyond what he's put in front of them you know, and he's saying mm-hmm. that they should trust him, but how much can they actually do that? Uh, this season, yeah. I think has really pointed more and more in the direction of legacy. And I've been asking the question: What really is the legacy here? What is left? You know, if mm-hmm. Logan doesn't trust anyone, and nobody mm-hmm. trusts Logan,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: what does that leave for the next generation? What do Iverson and Sophie inherit? What does yeah. even Greg inherit You know, yep. besides you know, beef for the Greenpeace.
0: Yeah, I really love that you pointed out this whole thing because I kept thinking about the significance of having his children in the last episode and even the birthday present and the the idea or the realization that he's not the father he wants to be and even, you know, the heartbreaking line in this episode where he says he doesn't feel connected to his children and I... And I really like that you point this out because I have been thinking, like, what is there left? Obviously, there's so much talk about fertility and babies in this episode with Shiv and Tom this season. And I just really like this idea of what does, you know, what does a future Roy generation inherit? What do they have? And I think it's sort of just... A lot of brokenness and a lot of hurt because there's been a lot of intergenerational conversations this season and a lot of reflections on the past and, you know, what our parents have done or not done for us. But yeah. And sorry just to quickly just jump on what you said about, you know, Logan not equipping them. I think it's really brilliant you bring up this point because he's given them a playpen that he owns and called it the world and told them to play in it and see who wins. And it's like, you told them that the world was your world and now you want them to go into the real world when you've not allowed them to your whole life. You've, you've pitted them against each other. You've wanted them to compete in your own arena. So how exactly are they meant to do anything else? And as, as much as I, you know, sort of slightly agree with him in that, like, you know y- is embarrassing the situation you're in but like y- y- I can't help but you know greatly sympathize with them because it's like he has been such a force like Adol has been saying all season how like he is such a force in their lives like a gravitational pull of the of their universe and so you know what are they meant to do you know sort of helpless um And so, yeah, like I I really like that point about legacy and we'll we'll probably get to it a lot more in the next season. And I just like uh, really enjoy the threads that they're pulling with that with the children and the potential children.
1: Yeah, these guys don't stand a chance. And on top of all that, we have Logan out here in 308 using Iverson as a taste tester, you know, because he knows that. You know, you know, Logan is always saying everything I've done, I've done for my children. Like he says that a lot in season one. He says Tywin, it in season Lannister, two well. Tywin Lannister,
0: Tywin you know? Lannister, asks. exactly,
1: me. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was gonna say. So the, I, I hope the people who compare Succession to the Game of Thrones really see this thread, mm-hmm. because there's, there's, there's so much, you know, that Logan does, where he's kind of above it all, but to his detriment, right? It's like with in, in Thrones, Tywin was a really smart guy, right? He was a really smart and powerful guy, but he turned a blind eye, whether willingly or subconsciously, to the activities of his own children. You know, this is a guy who has the power to know everything going on in the realm, but doesn't su- supposedly know what's going on in his own house. And we saw how the activities that were going on is how shaped the future of the kingdoms. And you have Logan similarly, even in um, um, 308, talking to Romans, like, are you a sicko? Right. He's always been concerned on some level about Roman and how he is and what he's doing. But he wants him to figure it out on his own. He doesn't want that involvement, despite the fact that he wants control of his life. So Roman ends up flailing about. He's half raised by Connor. He builds a bit of camaraderie with Kendall that goes on and off. And Logan kind of just watches them because really he's more invested in the rat race that he set up for them in this playpen, as you called it, because if they're fighting each other, they're not fighting him. So Roman is mm-hmm. you know, just kind of lost in that sense. And we've seen his repressed sexuality come out all the time every time he wants to compliment scold insult someone you know it's there's some kind of sexual undertone there and it's weird because he can barely actually he can barely express himself sexually i mean god bless tabitha you know (laughs) there's just so much going on in that in that regard and logan claims to be aware but he isn't he doesn't want things going on that he doesn't know about yeah
0: it's (laughs) It's it's just just
1: interesting exactly (laughs)
0: I want to jump on your point before I forget, because I know how my brain works, but it's this idea of, like, they want he wants them to fight themselves so they don't fight him, which is why I really loved that, you know, Matson's little monologue about how if all the slaves dressed the same, they would see how many of them they were, and they would rise up and, you know, kill the masters. Um, which which is literally happened in of, Game
1: of Thrones, right? Yeah,
0: literally, I was thinking that. I was like, the kill the masters thing is very on the nose, but... We're going to talk about that, but Adol, like, what did you think about, you know, the the Logan telling them to build their own fucking pile, and what did you think about that whole, you know, that, that whole sequence and this, this deal?
2: The thing that jumped out to me in that sequence was, like, I think it might be one of the only scenes where, like, like because all, uh, all the three kids were there, and the way he, like, he mocked Shiv, and then, like, he, you know, he says whatever about Kendall and then he, like, he goes to Rome and, like, acts as if, our oh, Roman, you come with me, I'll take you. So, like, in that little scene, it showed how he treats them all, like, you know, like, like, pits them against each other and and pits, you know, like, I love you more at this moment, so you come with me. And I think that that scene just showed how good he is at, like, knowing their triggers, I guess, and knowing... Like what to do to get a reaction from them and pit them against each other. So that's what I like really liked about that scene. But yeah. yeah.
0: But. Okay. So I'm just gonna talk about you know the meeting with Matson and certain things that sort of stuck out to me. Um, so I find it very interesting Logan's little thing about how when he came to America, there were gentle giants smelling of golden milk that could do anything. And now they're scrawny on meth and yoga, like they've pissed it all away. And he seems, I really, it's such a, it's its its really interesting the way they do that moment. It's like a reverie, like he's sort of thinking and you can sort of see in his face, again, Brian Cox is just phenomenal, sort of, he's actually sort of, you can see him sort of reminiscing on his his journey. And I think that that's, that's an important thing, because I think that also informs a lot of what he says later in the episode about, you know, being your own man and building things for yourself and adversity, which I really love when he says that later on and we'll talk about it, but this thing about adversity. Um, But one thing it highlights for me is sort of this idea of like the opportunities that were available when Logan arrived in America when Logan's generation arrived in America versus the opportunities that are available for the generation that are his children. And, you know, Kendall throughout the season as performative or whatever as it is, he says a lot of this stuff, like he says a lot about the declining empire. He talks about the, the, the values that have persisted that, that are useful and the ones that are not. And I don't know, I just find it really interesting that how, these different generations perceive each other he's sort of like meth and yoga is very much clearly sort of like he's looking at what like young people are interested in and his I think something very interesting about this idea of like milk and honey he just felt very poetic it actually reminded me very much of another HBO show sort of like Westworld when Anthony Hopkins will sort of just sit down and think about his creations and um you know very it just i don't know it just gave me very much dr ford vibes if any of you have seen westworld you'll understand what i'm saying but yeah i don't it know it definitely what did
1: you gave guys... dr ford vibes i agree with you
0: <laughs> so like what did you guys sorry just Ado. like what did you think of this this speech by logan and that whole interaction with Matson, because adult mentioned something really interesting last episode that he picked up on it's like logan clearly respects Matson. he clearly you know lo- looks up to him or you know sees some sort of grit that he respects in him and i was even just thinking about how like to me it actually sort of seems like Matson orchestrated this whole thing so he could buy waystar because it sort of seems like he entertained the idea of a of a, of them buying him so that he could get his share price up. Now his share price is up. Now he wants a merger. Now his merger is like mm, now I want to buy you, and it, 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 it all seemed very strategic in this episode. It sort of just came to me that it was like yeah, this was probably all sort of like a a strategy from the get go. But yeah, Adol, what did you think of this interaction? And then everybody can have some thoughts on it too.
2: Like I'd even say, like Matson finally offered Logan. What Logan's been wanting all this time to retire, and I think he offered him what Kendall like should have offered him like like Kendall like even when he like season one he he never like pitched this whole you know you'd still like have uh like what was the name Uh like did he say that like the prestige of Logan etc. and I think yeah so in the last episode obviously he said he's a serious guy and I think Logan is admiring how he's gone about you know like uh, setting up this situation where he's able to buy him out. And then even the offer is not completely just taking Logan and erasing what Logan has done. He's given Logan exactly what he wants. He's told him, you know, you still be with a legacy and it will still be you, you know, you still be that guy and, you know, you'd still be able to get out. And I think that is probably what Logan wanted all this time. And that was like, he finally got an offer from someone serious, which is what he wanted his sons or Shiv to have. Oh my God, guys. They didn't. They just wanted it for himself, I guess, or or for themselves.
0: So, everybody, what did you think about this meeting with Matson?
1: I thought it was pretty insightful because Logan says a lot that reveals his frame of mind and that's not something he does a lot, you know? That's not something that happens often. The whole thing Mm -hmm. about Gentle Giants the whole thing where he basically says his own version of pressing phone generation, all that stuff, it it gives you a sense of what he values and what he feels has come of those values. And this whole time, one could say that he's been wanting to retire. But if anything, I think what he's wanted the most has been to go out on his own terms, whether that means retirement, whether that means selling. Every opportunity for him to leave so far, even if it's turned out to be something that could have been good for him, it's all been hostile. You know, the vote of no confidence that was humiliating for him, right? The um the bear hug that was a hostile takeover. You know, everything that's come... So far, to challenge Logan's position has been exactly that, a challenge. And in this situation, he's able to talk to somebody and entertain the idea of a merger of equals. And Mattson is perceptive enough to say right from jump that that's what this is. That's what he wants. He doesn't want to mess around. You know, he's played his strategy pretty well. Logan is finally here at the table with him. So they want to discuss... Man to man, exactly what needs to happen, both for them and for their firms. And Waystar is, by my estimation, roughly an eighty-seven point five billion dollar company, right? So, for Matson's companies, um, market cap to rise as much as it has, you know, that's that's a huge achievement. And I think Logan, as you said, um, and as Adel has said really appreciates that Logan respects that and that's where he's able to sort of feel like he's on a level playing field and now he can you know go out exactly the way he wants to in a way that doesn't leave him feeling terrible that's why when Mattson didn't come to their first meeting he felt like it was humiliation you know you would only feel that way if somebody is on your level or below your level And I think Matson has slowly been rising in Logan's eyes all this time. Logan is somebody who doesn't really see anyone as being above him because he doesn't Mm -hmm. rate anyone else's experiences to have given him, to have given them um, more of a leg up in the world than him. So this is very telling of where he feels Waystar is, where he feels he is, and where he feels Matson could take his own legacy. He's sort of giving all of it to Matson in this sense because if Matson takes it, he's only gonna see Logan's children as a threat.
0: Yeah. I really like I really like this this idea and especially this thing you say about how like you can see a lot of you know, you can hear a lot about Logan that you don't really get to Usually sort of get from him. And I really like, you know, the end of that scene before Roman gets on the boat, there's a close up on Brian Cox's face and you can really see that contemplation. He's really considering his options. And I, I really like that. And yeah, I, I, one thing I also noticed is that it, it's, it's sort of this idea of like the children really can't win because I feel like the parameters for Logan for winning, the, the goalpost just keeps on shifting. First is that he's never going to sell. And then it's like, oh, sorry, he's never going to merge. Then he will merge. He's never going to sell. Now he is selling. And it's sort of like you can see how the children will always struggle because things that they are assured about about their father keep changing. But what's interesting is that they're they're all reasonable changes and they're all changes that make sense to like obviously Brian Cox says at the end is because the deal fucking makes sense and it is the truth like he, they're not going to come out and rival the likes of Facebook because it, it just is a different economy it's a different ball game and I think it's really interesting how sort of like Logan is able to sacrifice Not sacrifice, I guess sacrifice sort of, or compromise, which is something that is really difficult for him that you don't really see him doing with, with people he claims to love, like even with Marsha. Um, I guess he sacrifices in a money way, but he doesn't sacrifice in a personal level. But you can see, you know how much this company means to him. And the whole gentle giant speech, I think is reflective of that. This is something that he built from nothing. Like you, you watch, you know, you hear about the way that him and his uncle Ewan grew up and you go to his house in Scotland in the second season. And it I think it's just really interesting to see how you know he's sort of grown and changed uh from obviously building this company and and how he he wants to end his legacy right which is which is a really thing that i think is important he wants to put it in the hands of someone that he actually thinks is a visionary and i think it's it's really interesting because schiff says later on that like if he gives the reins to Madsen, it means that he has never thought that they could should or like will take over and i think it's really interesting because i think that that scene with Madsen you know, he, he, he's looking for that killer instinct that Matson does have. We've sort of seen sort of the amorality of this character and he's also looking for that that drive, th- that thing that makes you special, that makes you win. And Matson clearly has that. Um, and yeah, I just really like that. And, and another thing I wanted to say sort of is like when he says that he'll address the C-suite according to their abilities, I found that so funny and I think it was also oh, very March. great. In in reflection of the children, because it's just like those children have never been assessed according to their abilities. They've just never done ever hell. ever, and I think they've just sort of been able to get the job because daddy's the boss. But
1: what's-
2: was he even talking? Like, I su- I didn't even think he was talking about them, to be honest. I no, thought, he was talking like, about the C-suite
0: the... team. He's talking about Jerry, Frank. Like, or... Jerry. And-
2: oh, yeah, 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 yeah. but I
0: thought yeah. that you could definitely apply that to them. And I think it's, it's just a really interesting yeah. thing to consider because, obviously, the Skarsgård character is a... He's a software engineer. Like, that's his thing. He wrote his code and he has his piece of tech that is useful or important. And it's like... He, he sort of has that thing with Logan because they've both sort of done something in order to succeed, whereas these children have just been born in and and, you know, sort of been given, well, success or the reins to success, which is again, just obviously a very, like, Machiavellian thing about, you know, like anyone can get power like you know the acquisition of power is a is a is is also he talks a lot in the prince about how luck is very important and i think it's just really key about how like these children and i think what makes logan more disappointed in them is that they didn't even have to fight it in the mud to get this power they were given and yet here they are they still piss it all away and I think that that's that's something that he also sort of contemplates in that moment that they do I feel touch on really really well and I just really really like that um and yeah like I don't know I really like that scene I think it it it, it's very clear what his decision is I think Roman's discomfort in that scene is also really well done by Kieran Culkin and he's sort of again in that state of the the cat I feel sort of seeing the real truth in front of him but not wanting to come to terms with the reality and i think that's why he's, he's he stays or waits so long to tell shiv about what happens there because he's he's sort of still thinking of course my dad's not going to sell us out but you know dad dad cares about the money and he always says you know money wins and yeah, I think it's it's decisions yeah. for the family versus decisions for the stock price of the shareholders and I think again the show shows you that the interests are always the company's interests and it's always waste star over everything else. So yeah.
1: Yeah, I think Roman was doing what the children always do, which is check with Dad's pride first because when they feel that he won't sell, it's not always, I mean definitely the money is the big draw, but rich people think mostly about power. It's like, is he going to give up all this power? Is this who he is? Would he give it to anyone that's not us? And the truth is, to beat Logan, you have to catch him by surprise. And as it turns yeah. out, as we've learned over and over again, that's a very difficult thing to do. P- people don't really do that in this shows because they can't. You know, every time someone thinks they've caught Logan by surprise... Their joy turns to ashes in their mouth, as Tyrion Lannister would say, right? So, you know, Logan has this power where he's able to lie to people's faces. And if you have the power to make him make good on those promises, that's great. I mean, this is something Jesse Armstrong has said. And, you know, he will make good on those promises if you're able to do that. But, you know, if you're not equipped to make him actually keep those promises then you're going to be in a whole new situation and Mm -hmm. you know new arrangements are going to have to be made and that's what happens to everybody who challenges him in this way but the thing is mattson is able to do that mattson is able to catch logan by surprise in a Mm -hmm. way that brings out some form of respect tiny kinship Mm -hmm. he can see in his eyes someone who also had to build things from the ground up right? This yeah. guy thinks about the stuff that he's built. He's proud of what he's built. We hear that when he's talking about his app with Lo- with, with, with Roman and they're actually, you know, urinating literally on, on Waystar's app. We can see that difference. We can see that pride of craftsmanship and we can see the vision. And I think you're right yeah. to call Martin a visionary because of that. Yeah.
2: Okay. A basic plan, like, like mm-hmm. Kendall doesn't even have a plan. Like Kendall season one, he couldn't even negotiate. In like was it episode one, he with the like like what was that tech? Was, was with it Lawrence and Volta. Yeah. Volta? yeah, yeah. Like Volta, he couldn't yeah. even he couldn't even negotiate that. And like like Logan's like this guy can't negotiate. You know, a little deal, and he's gonna you know be CEO. And then obviously even now with Kendall, like end of season two, he didn't have a plan. He's He doesn't know what he's doing. There's no actual plan there to take over, to do something. But Mattson actually has a plan. He's negotiating Mm -hmm. with Logan. He's, he's, he's leveraged, like, he's leveraged it so that his stuff, like, like, I don't know all the technical terms, but his company is now worth more. He like, and that, and that wasn't the case just before the wedding. So it's literally in a couple of days, he's leveraged it where Mm -hmm. he can actually buy out Logan. So he just has a basic plan. But Kendall, everyone's favorite there's nothing there but yeah i think that's just what it is oh fuck off adult there's something
1: there that, that I felt like an attack but you know it's cool, joking, it's cool. Joking.
0: <laughs> he has beautiful puppy dog eyes and that's all that matters to me i'm just joking um but yeah sorry so i want to talk about the intervention and the proposal and sort of like uh the reception and everything sort of that happens in the situation i think it's I just want to talk about Alan Ruck for a second, Connor, and where they go with this character in this scene and in this. I love that I am the eldest son monologue. It is fantastic. It is... I think there's something really brilliant about having the same line several times in a scene yet each time you deliver that line there is a different meaning behind it i think he says i'm the other son about eight or seven times but each time there's a different emotion behind it and i think the final one where he brings his head towards candles is just so powerful It's sort of like he's reassuring himself and he like he wants to look he wants to go to face with the person who i think thinks that they can usurp that position from him and let them know that you are not it's me and I just I don't know I really love that scene I just thought it was a great performance I also love how while they're sort of starting the intervention Alan Ruck is playing with a knife on the table that he's like sort of scratching around and he moves around until he stops and you can see him sort of digesting the information that kendall is saying i like that he talks about how he didn't see their dad for three years and that you know he says you know your spoon wasn't shiny enough and obviously we know that there's this whole thing about his mother this show will often just drop little nuggets like we know the mystery of rose whoever she is um and you know i'm sure that will soon be revealed. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was really, really interesting. I also found it interesting that Connor asked Kendall to stop trying to kill their dad, which is great because I think there's obviously still the sort of level of respect that Connor has for the dad and, and, and I guess sort of decorum or decency that he thinks the dad is owed. But I think that they have slowly sort of revealed a lot about these children's past and as adults, said about their childhoods through the dialogue in the season and I think something I really want to know more about how Connor grew up from the different from the rest of them and um sorry I'm gonna drone on but just one last thing I really do love when he says you know when Kendall asked but I you know I thought you loved me and he says I do love you like I love all three of you pricks and he says even though I don't get anything for it and I really like that moment because it is so earnest and I think it is Sad in the way that he really does truly love them. And, you know, we talked throughout the season about how the children don't like hearing honesty, particularly Kendall. They don't, you know, so, you know, Connor goes on this tirade about how he actually is the eldest son and, like, how they're complaining about shit. They're always whining, which is very true. And it's sort of like, oh, do you not love me? And it's like, that's not true. Like, I do love you. Of course I love you. But I have to be honest with you about what is really happening. And I, I, I don't know, I just thought that was a great scene. Maybe I'm talking too much about it, but I really loved it. And I thought that, you know, it was a very tender moment between them. And great, great, I feel, direction that they've taken with Connor's character because you sort of see him at the beginning sort of being like, you know, I want more of a piece of the pie. I want more of a steak. I want more involvement. And obviously the way he's not really taken seriously. But I think this emotional outburst is is allows us as the audience at the very least to to see him seriously and see where all his plans come from. And I think even his, this whole desire to be president is is, is this idea of, you know, being important when, you know, you have been overlooked for so long, you want to be a person in your own right that is respected and has fans and people that think that they're worth something. Um, especially because obviously his campaign is sort of fashioned as like a very sort of populist type of thing, Um and yeah, I don't know, like, what did you guys think of the scene? I've talked about it for quite some time now, but I'd love to know what you guys think.
2: Yeah, like, I've loved what they've done with Connor the whole season because I, f- I think they even said when they first, like, casted him or in season one, he was never meant to play, like, have a big role or anything. So, like, I've loved what they've, what they've done with him. Uh, but also that scene kind of took me back to, like, uh, when like when Roman like, spoke about how, uh, like Connor took him fishing and that was the only memory he had. So, like, maybe the whole, the fact that they don't see him as an older brother is because he was always more like a father figure in a way. Like, they, they don't really see it that way, but but maybe he was never, he never had the role of an older brother. He was more, he was, you know, like a dad kind of. So So maybe that's the reason why. But it's interesting how, it's also interesting the way, like, He's, he's the only one that doesn't want a part of the company and then the whole thing about not seeing dad for three years and even when the kids are like walking up to Logan they talk about how, you know, it was like three of them you know, the whole like water gun thing so I think we're getting a lot to how the dynamic were like was when they were growing up and that was just really interesting but yeah, like I love what they're doing in the character
0: Okay, and everybody, any thoughts?
1: I like that scene a lot, yeah you know, watching his um, physical discomfort with what was being said, right up until the point where he has to jump in and, you know, say his piece. I think that was very well played by Alan Rock because we don't hear Connor being coherently serious for long periods of time very often. You know, seeing that come out was really nice because Connor is. The child in this family who has allowed wealth to affect his connection to reality, in a sense, you know, he lives in a world where the rules are very different. Roman once jokes that um, he doesn't even know what the inside of actual jail would look like. He's only ever seen it in a Monopoly. You know, this is a guy who double decants his wine. This is a guy who makes goop in, um, in, in, in. New Mexico. And it's, it's fun to see him.
0: Yeah, don't forget the Napoleon. Going of mind.
1: <laughs> yeah. I haven't forgotten that for sure. Yeah. Like just, <laughs> you know, j- 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 just, just listening to him actually reveal his true frame of mind is cool because as you pointed out as well, you know, despite all of this, he is the one who actually gets it. I think he is the way he is because he gets it. He understands what he's been signed up for. I noticed I said yes. what he has been signed up for not what he signed up for because none of them signed up for anything, right? This is what he has been signed up for. He understands the rules. He's been here the longest. He's been both brother and father to, to all of them. But the thing is that he's lost his power in the sense that they don't respect him the way that they respect mm-hmm. Logan. They do yeah. love him, but all of their love is twisted. And as far as power goes, you know, Connor thinks he's beyond Lothbrook, but really he's Sigurd. I mean, he's, He's a bit suck at best. I mean, this the six people listening to this who watched Vikings will love me for that. But, yeah, but I mean, I do,
0: I, I do love, I, I love that reference.
1: It, yeah, it's, it's interesting, you know, hearing him actually like point all of that out. And I, I thought it was very powerful because, you know, he feels that his role in the family is one that is a thankless job. And we yes. see him actually start to win a little bit. You know, we start, yeah. we see him... You know, have, have Willa saying yes, even though she's kind of not sure what she's doing. But yeah, you know, we we see him get that. You know, we see him actually gaining some support from his father indirectly. You know, this whole thing with Mencken, the choice for president. We we will probably see where that's going to lead Connor and the implications that will have for him. I mean, I did predict earlier this season that you know, he was going to propose to Willard that he might actually have some headway in the presidential race and Mencken might have something to do with that. I mean, there's just so much going on with his character. And I think while everybody else is kind of on a downturn, Connor is starting to gain a sense of steadiness. And, yeah. you know, yeah, Logan ha- Logan does have a sense of love for him. But not in a way that he would love an heir that he's grooming, but in a way that he would love somebody who understands his position. And Logan, you know, surrounds himself with people who he feels understand their position. Carl, you know, Frank, Jerry. And Connor, at the very least, is consistent, if nothing else.
0: See, it's so funny because I don't think, I think Logan... I think out of I think Logan just thinks he's such a ridiculous person and just looks at him like, what the fuck is this guy always saying? Like when he brings him that water. Yeah, he does. Butter, he does, like, but he, he likes
1: just, Yeah, yeah. I think
0: he believes he's such a ridiculous person. But I just wanted to quickly jump on something you said earlier. Like I feel like out of all of the children, he's the one that actually gets to enjoy the wealth and enjoy the privilege. Like so much of them they're caught in the infighting of the power, the control, the succession, as it as it were. And it's like he seems to be the only one who actually 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 gets to enjoy the money because I guess a lot of the theme of this show is sort of like they have money but they're so miserable because it's not enough to have the money they must be the top dog they must be the daddy's pick and I think because he's resigned himself from all of that he's actually able to you know enjoy a holiday in Croatia enjoy the fact that he can spend $25,000 or however much on a fake napoleon penis and can get the best wines and you know can travel private and have his mistress or escort girlfriend that he pays and has have his ranch in new mexico and i, I don't know like it's it's he sort of gets to really enjoy his life um but yeah i really like I agree about thankless parenting and i think they they really sort of hit home especially this season how much of the parenting was actually done by him um and yeah, yeah so, so i do sure. talk- um uh really like that, and in that moment, I sort of felt a parallel between him and Tom in this theme of sort of like misplaced love and unrequited affection and just a General disappointment in, in in family and the people you love not being able to recognize the depth of your love and what they have gained from your love and the security that your love provides them because they just take it for granted. Um, and so I, I thought that was really interesting and in, and in a way to sort of round up a very prevalent theme in the show. Um, I think we should just quickly talk about Willa's proposal, which has been so hilarious. Yeah, I think that's the next thing
1: I was I was thinking about honestly.
0: Just God, Adol, what did you think? Of- that proposal acceptance which is clearly out of pity but
2: (laughs) yeah did you see like notice she was like bare drinking
1: at the she was so drunk that she like spills
0: the drink on herself and then she was
1: crying at the wedding she was bawling she was literally crying like in the ceremony like just watching what might happen to her you know it's it's wild because i think this whole season we've seen her connection to connor just grow like, she's become more, more supportive of him. Like, if you look at the relationship in season one and you look at it now, you know, she's actually kind of on the same page with him in a lot of things. Like, she defends him in public. You know, she she's not just like, oh, this is a guy who's, like, funding my play or whatever. Like, she's actually, she's actually like, there for him. But I, I don't think she's expecting the proposal in this way. But at the same time, I think she feels it's inevitable. I don't think it's something that she feels that she can escape. And because she's seen it as a fate, she can't escape. She just ends up crying. And that's just so wildly funny.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's so funny. And I, and again, you sort of like the succession camera style that is very mimics that like mockumentary slash reality TV style. And I think when she enters the car and it zooms in on her, there's a, there's a lot of the camera style in the shows often makes it seem like you're watching a moment that you're not supposed to. And like you're capturing people, you know, in their essence and I think that's that that little close-up to her like just her face in the coat and she's like oh fuck like did I actually just do this but yeah like I think the relationship has progressed this season and you know I think she really does mean it when she says I think you're a nice man like I I I think she sees you know I think she gets to see what the other people the other characters don't appreciate in him which I think is, you know, is is a nice little touch. But I doubt that she's going to be very happy or that they might actually go through with this marriage. But I think they might, you know, because fuck it, as she
2: says. He's worth, like, two Exactly, you know? She should be happy.
1: Yeah, she should be. It's, okay. Um, it's, it's funny because, oh, sorry. It, yeah. No, well, keep
2: going,
0: going back sorry. To what I Goodbye. said
2: in the last episode about, like, her and Tom and the whole, like, being trapped and not being able to escape, like I still feel like there's something there. I guess the whole, you know, like the yeah. gravity of the family, like attracting these outsiders, and they can't like escape because but yeah. But then they get in
0: and they see that it's really, you know, sort of like yeah. Pandora's box. Um, mm-hmm.
2: But yeah, yeah,
0: I think I think that's a good, it can be advantageous. Really, yeah, but it can also be, you know really horrible but I just wanted to quickly say how I love how when you know Greg talks about this contestant and, and Tom says get in there Greg if Roman marries her he'll invade France. I just thought that was really which is funny. exactly
1: what would happen. That is exactly yeah. what would happen. I just want to go on record <laughs> and say that. Okay, because money without power is not appealing to anyone in this family. That's just on the most basic level. And I think that actually starts to show in Greg, who just has joined the camp of people who can't leave well enough alone.
0: Like, Greg, what
1: are you doing? What are you doing?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about him a little bit later on, but yeah. And I think, just sorry, just quickly, like Lady Caroline and Peter Onion being, and when she says, Logan is not going to make it, you might just have to make it with me. I literally laughed out loud. And even later in the speeches when, you know, Shiv says that she hopes that their marriage is rewarding, fulfilling as mine, it literally made me laugh so much because... Tom and Peter Manion are so similar. Sort of these sort of like weirdo, silly outsiders who you think are ridiculous with a background that is nothing to match yours. And even sort of like how Logan and Shiv fought in the first season and Tom also had this anxiety of like, oh, is Logan not going to come to our wedding? Like what's happening here? I just thought that that was really funny and a parallel that I I I, I don't know why it took me so long to recognize, but... Yeah, I thought I thought that was funny. Uh, <laughs> what did you guys think of the the wedding?
1: I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, I thought it was hilarious. I mean, just from watching. I mean, of course, it was beautiful to watch. You know, it was, it was colorful. It was vibrant. I mean, right down to, like like not just visually, but also like even in the dialogue. I mean, the whole Makarut thing will have me laughing for days first of all. Yeah. And, you know,
0: Whew.
1: just I mean, listening to, to to everybody kind of like muse about what's going on or what they think is going on is funny. I mean, Greg and the contesta, that's a whole thing to I mean, there's so many subtle references to to wealth in in all of in 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 all of this stuff. I mean, we i, I think the wedding is a proper representation of that. You know, we saw them have a Sort of Winter Castle wedding in season one with um Shiv and Tom, and now as you've said, this is kind of another side of that same coin in terms of the relationship between the people getting married. Now we have this summery vibe, and yeah, Caroline has to come to terms with what she's getting, what she's giving, and you know, in in this episode, we see how that comes to the to to the detriment of her children. But but yeah, I thought that the wedding as a whole was was kind of an, an interesting environment and um everybody played the the parts um quite perfectly whether they they know it or not so so yeah that was fun to watch
0: yeah I agree I love this little wedding stuff but yeah sorry you've you talk about this macaroo thing and I want to know what you and adult think about this n- new baby subplot like this potential K- Logan wanting a new child like what do you guys think about this
2: I just think, like, I thought he was so hilarious, and like, he's he's a really sick guy because it's like he's not had enough of traumatizing four children. He wants to, to like add, like add another one, but yeah, it was just so hilarious, and but yeah, like that's all I had. It was just a hilarious moment, and it was something to wonder about: is it Marshall who who's he trying to impregnate, or 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 is it like a freezing situation, like what Shiv hmm. and Fingy are doing? But yeah, mm-hmm. it's just. It's just such a curveball, so... But, yeah, it was, it
0: was great. I, I honestly felt so, part. like, as you said, like, it felt very surprising. Like, I didn't think that it would be something that Logan wanted. Like, it just made... Like, it was actually, like, what? He wants this? That was so weird to me. But then I guess it sort of does make sense, like, you know, carry on the legacy with someone else. You know, the, the four I have are all sort of disappointments, so might as well, um, you know try with another but what I found was so interesting was sort of like how Tom and Shiv or Tom inserted him and Shiv into that conversation and the way she looks so uncomfortable and just disgusted like when he says that thing about like space race like are we gonna beat him to it and her face like she literally gives him the worst side eye glance I've ever seen I literally burst out laughing and I also think like she she, (laughs) like how wouldn't he have betrayed her like she has such disdain for that man like yeah, but what did you
1: think? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> well, first of all, if this is this is unconfirmed, I feel like everywhere we're all like like everybody's kind of ex, accepting it as as facts. But I think if we are, it's probably a testament to you know just the kind of person Logan is, kind of guy we know him to be. But also, if it's correct, then. It points to something we've already said in this episode about how Connor gets it because he's the one who sees this thread and points it out to everybody. He's like, just so you guys know, because I mean, he's been there before. He's been in this. He's the only one who's been in a situation where he was daddy's favorite, and then all of a sudden there are more people to contend with. You know, that's why he remember when he looks at Kendall and says, "You know, I didn't see him for three years, but I guess your spoon wasn't silver enough." You know that that kind of hits home. Yeah. Yeah, and and, you know, in all of that with with this whole event, you know, the whole thing with Carrie, the fact that Logan actually acknowledges her to another human being for the first time when he's talking to Roman about her on the boat. It's like, good looking woman, isn't she? And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, even the blocking, I mean, the show does a really great job of telling stories through... You know the camera movements and the way people are actually arranged in the scene, even in small spaces. The blocking is excellent. You know that whole cross movement and interaction between Logan and Carrie and Marsha when she shows up. You know that was very interesting to watch because you you know it it all but silently confirms that Marsha is aware of what's going on with Logan and Carrie mm-hmm. and she's keeping quiet because now she you know she's secured. She's more secure than she's yeah. ever been. Right yeah. so I mean if if that's happening it's fine I mean I've said before that there is a little bit of precedent for it um mm-hmm. with media moguls in our own world I mean Rupert Murdoch re- married his fourth wife some years ago and like that dude is 90 you know so I mean granted the person he married isn't as young as Kerry but as we all know Logan is capable of what we never really think he's capable of so maybe it could happen I feel like it's honestly unlikely but I guess I can't rule out that it's somewhat possible. And that would give him somebody to pass things down to because, I mean, as he told Kendall, he's going to stack his cash out of $5 billion plus from Waystar on top of all yeah. his other billions. And I, I would mm-hmm. estimate that he's worth anywhere between 18 and $22 billion, right? So that's a lot of money and no one to leave it to.
0: Yeah. I feel
1: like he, ordinarily he would want to leave it to Iverson, but, you know, I don't know how he feels about Iverson. He doesn't really talk to Sophie, not that we've seen. And, I honestly you
0: know, think it's because she's not white. Like, I, Yeah, I was going to say, I've heard people say that,
1: and it could, yeah, it could make some It It does kind of make sense. I've seen people say that on Twitter. and I can't help but laugh, because it's like, once you notice it, you can't unnotice it, right? So... Maybe that's the case. Um, he seems to be forming a new um, sort of kinship with Tom. Maybe what, um, whatever happens with Tom and Shiv's relationship, if they do have a child, you know, maybe Logan will take that person under his wing. I mean, we don't even know how much time Logan has left. You know, There have been jokes about how the show is kind of uh, low-key about climate change, partly because like there's this thing that's coming and everybody's denying the truth. Um, mm-hmm. especially the people who are oldest and, you know, Logan is, yeah. is that person. He is that embodiment of denial. I mean, I, in episode six, six he, he says, literally calls yeah, himself he... a climate denier. So that was so, yeah,
0: so there's, cool, there's, eh, the, but... there's kind
1: of a lot, to, yeah, there's so much to unpack there, I guess, but, but yeah, I mean, if he's having a baby, I, I don't think it's a plan. Some people think maybe Kerry is planning it and, you know, Logan is kind mm-hmm. of along for the ride, or maybe, maybe he's agreed to it reluctantly because we see, we see him drink a smoothie, which Logan Roy, a smoothie, really? I mean, <laughs> we see him doing that. And the look on his face. That's what I thought, but Re- I mean, he doesn't, mm-hmm. he, he's, he's always reluctant to to do things that have, that have pertinence to his health. So I Mm -hmm. think that might be the case, but I mean, Kerry knows so much about his personal life. I mean, about his health, about his, um, you know, his relationships, about, you know, even like we see how she's the only person who knew about the UTI. We see there's a small sense of intimacy there and it might be fleeting, but at the very least she has some power in in all these situations. I mean, in this episode, um, 309, she has more lines than the entire series combined. So, I mean, even when she talks back to Roman, she says she's going to get him a kid's meal. I mean, that was hilarious. And the fact that she has that audacity is very telling. It's quite possible, you know, that if there is a plan or some kind of inkling for a new child, then, you know, things are in motion and she's kind of whispering all that in his ear. And wherever it leaves Marsha is wherever it leaves Marsha. but I feel like she's fine with that.
0: Yeah, I think Marsha has sort of sorted herself out out of all the shenanigans. But yeah, I think it's also, as you said, just funny that, you know, Connor's the one who brings up this whole macaroon business because obviously he's going to be the one to know all these weird facts about all these random plants. Um, yep,
1: exactly. But,
0: I, but I, I think that that was, you know, a really good. Um, A little nugget that they've put there and you know this thing about climate change I mean I definitely agree I was literally saying last week about how like the we are constantly reminded of the mortality of the characters and of their bodily limits when it comes to addiction or you know health or things like this so you know there are things that money can't shield them from and obviously we've sort of come to a reckoning as a society that you know you know we are heading for you know ecological doom and there's not really much we can do to stop it uh, other than you know change the gears and you know start thinking about producing in an entirely different way so i think that's really interesting sort of this to link that to the baby but yeah so you know i would like us to now talk about the car park moment is it a car park is it a back alley whatever it is the the scene i can add one thing Sorry. oh yeah
2: of course please there was also like someone pointed out how shiv was drinking water at well like when she did the toast so that might be a thing like she might already be like pregnant and that would be like
0: oh that makes the ending season. mean something like, entirely different yeah
2: yeah like that, that makes would that just look, look
0: on her face that. have renewed meaning and
2: exactly
1: yeah
0: that is that's really very interesting because she, she
1: does she does touch her stomach right when she has that gut punch yes and it literally yes. it is a gut punch of what ha- what happens yeah. at the end but you know that means she's she's for the first time thinking about you know the bleakness of the future if she allows things to get out of hand which she has so yeah Ooh,
0: yeah, yeah. oh i love that i love that i actually really love that that's a really great observation and i think that will Bring such new and interesting dramatic threads for the next season and also obviously this whole thing about legacy and yeah that's really interesting good good point um so yeah obviously I uh, the car park moment and I think oh, what an amazing performance but what triggers candle, I feel is that he sees those waiters coming out of whatever that room is and you know he says you know I don't want to be a part of this and then you know Shiv says you know oh do you have an angle do you have an angle with Madsen and he laughs because it's just like these people don't even know that like I'm fighting for my life here and (laughs) they're asking me about this business thing that I've clearly like refused or stopped giving a fuck about and, you know, I just want to say some of the lines that I just feel are so, like, beautifully delivered and just so sad. But he goes, you know, I'm not here. There's something really wrong with me. I'm not feeling connected to my children. And I thought that was incredibly heartbreaking. And, you know, and he goes, I thought I had an out, you know, for for me, for all of us. I thought that was really interesting because uh, last week I was talking to Adil about this whole idea of redemption and how, Kendall wants or wanted to be the author of his own redemption which is just not really how it works you know you you, penance is is not led by how you think it is it's sort of sort of a calm like a a karma thing and sort of the universe will will give you your penance um and yeah this idea of you know having an out and, and 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 an escape is really interesting, and I really enjoyed that and again, the most I feel important realization when he goes you know i 'm not a good person,' which is what he 's sort of been struggling with this entire season his his idea of self versus um, his the perception that the world has of him and the actions that he has done um, but I, I think it 's really important to talk about how th- this sort of binary morality is very, very difficult to to pick like it's 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 we can all generally say that the characters in this show are not good people that's something everyone has observed it's not hard to notice that they're not meant to be good people but I think for this character coming to that realization and then sort of the confession that follows after is 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 really brilliant and amazing so I just wanted to get initial thoughts on the scene before we sort of delve in deeper to sort of the implications of his confession.
1: I think the scene was really well thought out. And I think, um, moreover, it was incredibly well shot. I mean, everything is composed and blocked, so well. And,
0: and blocked Exactly. Too. It
1: was so well blocked. Well shot, well blocked. The way they moved as things were going on. I mean, you know, I never expected him to reveal his secret to his siblings, but I think it makes sense because it renewed his kinship with them. And it played a big part in their presenting a united front to Logan in the final moments of the episode. I mean, now he doesn't have to feel as alone as he does. And, you know, this whole thing that's been hanging over his head holds just a little bit less power over him as a weapon that Logan can use against him. He's been struggling with whether or not he's a good person. He tells Logan, I don't want to be you, right? I'm not you. There are things you can do that I... I, I mean, you're kind of... I love you, but you're kind of evil. I mean, listening to him say all of that in episode 8 was was interesting because as you pointed out earlier, Logan is a truth teller, right? He's a liar. He's a he's quite, he's probably the most adept liar we see in the entire show, but when he tells the truth, when he points something out, rather it's really hard-hitting. And, you know, Kendall believes himself to be the hard-hitting truth teller, but even though he doesn't want to be like his father saying that 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 all of that is evil that's kind of where he's he's really heading so i mean the interactions in that scene were great um you know just (laughs) the part where he's like (laughs) where he's telling roman and he's like i don't want to joke about this like please just like I'm even, I can't even believe I'm talking about all this. You can see it in his face. And then Roman's like, Shiv, you've killed a kid, right? And she's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah. hey, you fucked my wedding in so many ways. You know, it's hilarious <laughs> how funny. even in that point, it's like, she could turn around in the middle of her call with Jamie Laird, which, and and by the way, there were so many different indications of impending doom in this episode. Mm-hmm. And the call with Jamie Laird was probably my favorite because it's like, when was the last time? We even heard his name and now he's calling Steve. Like that, that has to be bad news. But yeah, like right Mm -hmm. in the middle of talking to him, you know, she, um, she says that. And one of my favorite things about that scene, um, in a deeper sense is the human nature of it, right? Kendall, when she says that he whispers, sorry, you know, and then he says it again to the hearing of his siblings. He's like, I'm sorry. And I think it's very human when characters do that because usually in life, we have to convince ourselves of things before we're able to have any real chance of convincing other people. I remember Mm -hmm. Tyrion actually did something similar in Game of Thrones 209, um, the episode titled Blackwater, when he said he'll lead the attack. You know, it's quite powerful. And this whole scene, is incredibly well-performed. It's incredibly scripted. It's incredibly filmed. And the blocking and cinematography are essential here to the way we receive it as the audience. I mean, everything just hits home. There's like a whole new sense of hope, which is why when it comes crashing down later, we're able to, we we actually feel that. But at the same time, it gives us a better idea of where things might go. I mean, anybody who's asked, where do you think the series is going to go from here? Mm -hmm. I'm willing to bet that 80% of their answer at least is going to come from how they understand this scene, because this scene is the indication of the future.
0: Okay. Um, so yeah, I think again, just brilliant performance from Jeremy strong, whatever he's been doing, girl, he needs to keep doing it. I don't see any problems with his method after this episode or I never saw a problem with it, but I think he's fantastic, but I think it's really important to highlight something. Um, There's this idea, I feel like it's a very Catholic idea that the path to freedom lies in confession, which removes guilt. And I think there's something very interesting about the way that, his confession to his siblings, maybe not only removes his guilt, but transforms it. So the title of this episode and all the finales come from a poem called Dream Song 29 by John Berryman. And this poem is an exploration of a man's depression due to belief that he has killed someone or has the potential to kill several people. The depression is a heavy weight on his heart that is described as inescapable and all consuming. So the the, the poem speaker follows the persona, the subject of the poem, who's Henry. In the poem, the, he, however, the, the, Henry hasn't actually killed anyone. And throughout the poem, the speaker des- describes the way that Henry deals or doesn't deal with his depression. And it's clear that what he's doing isn't working. You know, the sadness refuses to leave him. And he, and in a way, I think sort of the depression has distorted his understanding of the world and so much so that he's constantly worried about this this killing of someone that he knows. He's constantly worried about this capacity to be violent and this capacity to hurt. And I think that there's something incredibly interesting about this poem and what it means in terms of perception versus reality. And I think there's something about saying, you know, Jesse Armstrong says in the little featurette that they do at the end of the episode about how saying the unsayable, you know, can sort of be freeing and, and can, you know, bring a whole new meaning to something. And I, and I really like the way that this confession shows how, he is able to understand it from a different perspective. He's able to review his actions from a different lens. Obviously, his siblings do this great thing of sort of joking to take his mind off of things. And they, you know, they want him to, 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 to leave that scene lighter. And I do think he leaves lighter. But I think it's interesting to sort of see the way that Roman reasons it out. And, you know, you know, when he says, you know, you're giving yourself too much credit and, you know, at the best, you're an irresponsible, <laughs> which I found really funny. But it's 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 weird because through their reaction to it, the audience is also allowed to have a new reaction to the murder. One, I think, that paints the whole series or the character's journey in a new light, especially because we've been so closely observing his suffering and his depression and his pain and his anxieties and all this stuff. And I think sort of like this inescapable weight has just been pushed off of him in such a beautiful way that is is grounded in community and the support that he gets from his siblings and this idea that even though he's done something wrong, they are he is still able to be loved. I think you know this idea of their coming for me the, the loneliness the alienation of this whole secret has been the fact of like what kind of person would do this, what kind of person would kill someone and you know leave them there because I think sort of the crime is more so sort of the leaving him there than it is the the actual thing because as you know Roman describes it's like you didn't ask him to, t- to touch the wheel and you know you, you didn't you, you tried to save him you know you know Roman tries tells him that he's a hero and I, and I and I just really really enjoyed that and even when he goes you know candle goes I'm blown into a million pieces during the too much birthday episode Elle and I were sort of discussing this fracturing of the self. I was talking about, you know, Lacanian psychoanalysis and how sort of like we are fractured as human beings and our images of ourselves are are a million pieces. And I, I really love that line. And I think just this, this beautiful, Putting together, which is perfectly captured by all of their hands on him and a physical connection, which is rare for these people because, you know, Logan, I think, sorry, I say Logan, Roman tries to connect with them in the last season finale after he's like held hostage in Azerbaijan or wherever and, you know, that's sort of met with ridicule. And it's similar here because there's jokes and there's lightheartedness, but it's, it's different because there's an understanding. And I think they really get to see how alone he has been. And, you know, he, when he goes, you know, I'm all apart. And I think there's just, I don't know, I, I, that moment was just so beautifully done from the lines to the performances. And I, and I love it. It's, it's great because their reaction is so chilling in the sense that it's like somebody died you guys are talking about a gin and tonic and someone died but it's also just exactly what you need in that moment to 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 pick it up and it's incredibly believable and it's yeah I I just think you know the shot of them holding each other we've seen it all over Twitter and it's beautiful and the end you know can I be with you guys is just the perfect line because that's all he sort of wanted from the beginning is to be with someone and to not be alone and the birthday realization of his loneliness and how he's not really seen um i think is you know he gets to resolve that conflict i feel in this episode and i I think he's he's a stronger man by the end of it so um congrats to everybody in that scene it was fantastic and i'm gonna shut up now you guys can (laughs) give us your thoughts
2: He was finally home like he wished in the birthday episode, I guess, in that scene. Oh my God, yes.
0: Yes, that is a perfect, perfect, perfect line. Like I 100% agree because he's literally been struggling for that home. And Adela and I, remember we spoke about how like home is not really a place for these people, but it's like everywhere that he's looking for love. And as I've said earlier, this theme of sort of misplaced love. And now he's sort of able to put his love and in In the place where he thinks he might be rejected, but he's seen and he's accepted, and he's you know just able to as you said be home, so yeah, I really love that line, and you know everywhere any other thoughts
1: yeah, um you know, just kind of following up on that, you know home is home is where your attempts to escape cease right that's that's what home actually is, and I think Kendall finally feels right now that he he doesn't have to try and look for a way out. Not only is he exhausted from doing so, but he feels now for the first time in a long time that he might be able to find some safety. And everything about um, his journey has been fun to watch. One of my favorite things um, about that journey has been chronicled in the music, which I think about a lot. I love the music in this show. Nicholas Bertel is a genius. Yeah, 100%. my favorite song from the score so far has been um, the Rondo in F minor, which is um, the second track on the season two um, soundtrack. And mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing because that song, different versions of it play in different parts of, the, of season two. And yeah. that one, that particular track is called Kendall's Journey. You know, there's one, that's, there's another version that's called Kendall's Summit. You know, all of that is chronicled and we see how his feelings are reflected in the tone and, and the feel of of the mm-hmm. composition of, 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 each, of, of each of these songs. But truly, I'm grinning ear to ear, honestly, and I was throughout um, the time you were talking just now because you mentioned um, Dream Song 29, <laughs> which is very, very, very amazing because that song is like i mean that that poem is like the in a sense is like the connective tissue of everything that kendall has stood for throughout the series it's like the it's it's like the summary of his own character arc and how it affects the arc of the entire show because mm-hmm. believe it or not it is if you look at this at this poem you realize that all the season finales are connected. Like, did you ever see that?
0: Yeah, because, yeah. All I mean, the titles I mean, I discuss- from the all the yeah, titles exactly. are in this poem, and I think even yeah, know, Armstrong gave an interview with Vulture, uh, or was it Variety, one of the V's, um, and he talks about yeah. how he he chose this poem for, for that. I don't remember if well, I don't quite remember exactly it's what just he amazing. said, but it's. It's just sort of this like thread throughout the the show yeah. of um it's
1: incredible writing.
0: Of yeah, it is just great writing. Honestly, I think he's fantastic. And yeah, like I I, I really love this idea of the score. So one of my favorite Nicholas Patel, is from the um Austerlitz episode. It's this like strings um uh yeah. Song that comes at the very end, where he sort of goes up to that hill, and obviously he's doing drugs or whatever. But there's something very liberating about that scene. I don't know why I've there always, I am, I always just liked one. it. I remember that one. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think that that's it's, it's just a great way that the music works in this show. But yeah, I I really, again so I, I'm going to talk about this at the end. But the music at the end too with the choir was amazing. But yeah.
1: um, <laughs> I have I have thoughts on that too. It, it I think <laughs> yeah. I think that was very well executed. Um, because I mean the fact that all like you know all the bells say this is not for tears, nobody is ever missing those are all in this poem, and you know it's it's so it's so nice to see you know the like the 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 thinking really that has gone into the thematic elements of a show like this because you can't really have something that has this much weight while feeling so light be this way without so much thinking into. What could make it feel natural, and I like that um, that that's been done. I was having a discussion about um, about this poem and how it connects all the season finales. Um, with uh, with a friend last week, came in and you know, it, it's just it's just fun to 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 see all these little um Easter eggs, and I, I just I just love how this was done. So big props to to them and the team, and I I I and I like as well how the the music. Has been used to kind of reflect that in terms of emotion. It's it's excellent.
0: Yeah. Okay. Adol, any final thoughts before we move?
1: Like
2: even on that, I think in terms of the episodes being connected, they're even connected in terms of theme. Like the first, the first finale is where the kid, the, the waiter dies, and then the second one is when Kendall's going through you know, where he's, like, rock bottom, basically. And, like, what I felt with the Roman thing, because some people said that, I think even you said it earlier, that like Roman, like, like when he justified what Kendall did, I feel like Logan has been holding that over Kendall and making it seem like, yeah, you murdered him, when maybe, like what Roman said, maybe he didn't really murder him. Maybe, you know, it's very yes. irresponsible and whatever, yeah. but he didn't actually murder him, and I think Roman is right, he didn't murder him, he didn't, because because murder is, is premeditated, you have to, like, pre, like premeditate the murder, whatever, and um I don't really remember, because I didn't go back to watch the episode, but if he did try to help the kid to get out, then what Logan yeah. has been feeding him all this time, and getting the bodyguard mm-hmm. to, like, threaten him... And I think Mm -hmm. this is, like, Roman came for him where he's able to realise that
0: I didn't Mm -hmm. really
2: murder him. And I think it goes back Mm to, like, what Logan talks about, you know, like, I know, like, stuff in the world. And it it shows us how Logan probably has been operating his whole life where he knows these things about people. And he knows how he's able to manipulate, like, to manipulate my And he knows, he's known how to to like hold yeah. it over kendall's head all this time and now he's finally
0: yeah. able to
2: like free himself like from all that guilt that is there
1: because of logan and that's what his business lo- is isn't it yeah
0: you know? i really lo- i really love this idea of like you know it is the secrecy that is painful and it's sort of like you know when he because he's the only one that knows he monopolizes that in order to to, to use Kendall to the best of his abilities, because if he was a good father, he might've talked him through it. You know, he might've been like, you know, what actually happened, you know, you know, sort of talk him through his guilt, but it doesn't benefit him to do that. It benefits him for Kendall to be a beaten dog and to be weak and to be debilitated emotionally and depressed. And it's 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 just so great, as you said, how like, you know, that's what I'm saying about how sort of, this confession gives a new perspective. And, you know, when he's with people who actually do have love for him, they want to see, not only are they, you know, making jokes or whatever, but they 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 know he's not a bad person or they don't want to think of him as a bad person. So they reason him to see how he could, you know, lift this burden. So so I mean, I think it's really interesting that the goal of the siblings in this in the scene is to lift his burden or to make it less heavy. But for Logan, it's to use that pain and that guilt to his own ends. And yeah, like, again, as everyone said, that's the business. It's, you know, he's in the business of information. How can I use the information that I know about people for an agenda? How can I make, you know, the raisin leave office or get into office? How can I use people's weaknesses against them? And that's sort of the the, links back to what we're talking about in the beginning. You know, uh, Logan sees these weaknesses and, he can use them the same way Mattson sees his own weakness and uses it against him. So yeah, I think that's really interesting and I really love that point at
1: all. And on top, yeah, I I do as well. On top of all that, you know, if you go and look at that episode um, 109, you'll see, um, well, actually it was, it was in episode 10, wasn't it? In, in season one, you know, you, you realize that Logan was the one who says, rich kid kills a boy. he will follow you for the rest of your life. Like, that was the moment where Kendall started to see himself as a murderer because Logan told him you killed this guy. At that point, he saw it as, you know, I did something, somebody died. I hope I'm not found out, but obviously he's very sloppy and covering his tracks and they find him out very easily, you know? So, you know, Logan saying that and then using it to, you know, haunt him and control him all this time, you know, it says everything. That he needs to say about you know their relationship, about Logan's parenting, about you know Kendall's situation, and about the way Logan does everything, as as you both have just pointed out. I mean, he is in the business of controlling the narrative. It makes sense that this is the kind of person who has created a media empire. You know, he he even he even says in, in episode eight of season three that they probably invented the term dick pic. Which in the world of this show, I can one hundred percent believe that. Like it, it is these kinds of people that would invent that term and monetize it to the last penny. So that's 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 very well done on their part. I mean, there were a few moments even during this scene where he's t- where um, Kendall is telling Roman and Shiv all this, where I wondered if you know somebody was watching them because the camera kept lingering. <laughs> but um, hopefully, that's not that's not the case. So um, I, everything about it was played was played really well and. You know, it's the, the way Bri- the way Brian Cox handles Logan through everything that's going on with Kendall is is a joy to see.
0: Yeah. Um so ah, okay, now we're on to the car ride. Um I thought this was a a, a car ride of great lines and a s and a scene full of great, great dialogue. And so I just wanted us to to talk about it. Um, I, I love sort of Shiv very bluntly saying you know you think dad is protecting you like he isn't and um, it's again ev- everyone sort of coming I think that moment is pivotal for Roman in particular I think he sort of goes through the hardest decision in this episode that car ride film, because you know Kendall is already persona non grata and Shiv has sort of, I think, realised that she's not respected. I think it's I even think I forgot to mention this, but it's so funny how at the very beginning of the episode how she asked to come with him because obviously Kendall's sort of sorry, Roman is still sort of in the black book for the dick pic. And he's he literally hates Shiv so much that he's like, Okay, yeah, no 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 no. no. Roman, you can you can still come. <laughs> and you know, he sees she sort of sees that he's he doesn't respect her, he doesn't value her, he doesn't rate her. But, yeah, I think the scene is really pivotal for him and he's sort of having to come to terms with the decision that's in front of him. You know, he says, you know, maybe I just stick with Dad, get what I can get. And it's this idea of, like, not wanting to upset Dad so much that he will actually accept less than what he's worth, you know, in the hopes that it, it, it gives him some kind of uh uh, anyway just anything to stay on dad's good side basically and i and i found that really sad and interesting um but it's it's the harsh reality and i think very much these images of violence these images of war because kendall goes and says you know you know Matson is going to off you and take you to the cellar which is obviously talking about you know the russian revolution and i i really like this this these violent images that are often in the show which allusions to you know greek you know myths about war or love or whatever that remind you know these characters of their position because i think that you know position and hierarchy is so important in the show and how quickly we can be moved from one position to another is something that is very very important in the show and yeah i just you know what did you guys think of the car ride of roman's journey and um just sorry, quickly, just to say the line the dad will never choose you because he thinks there's something wrong with you. Um, and I thought that was really sad. And I love how she says, you know, but we have to say these things to each other because she is right. Like he, he does say that. And even in the beginning when he says, you know, are you afraid of pussy? Excuse my French. Um, he's clearly worried or something. He, he doesn't, as you said, like things he doesn't know or understand. He doesn't like the strangeness that he sees in his son. And, you know, Shiv's own problem is that unfortunately She was born a woman so something was always going to be wrong With her and for Kendall he's weak Because he's an addict you know Um. So yeah what did you guys think About these scenes and stuff
2: Like I also What, uh, what I loved like I feel like Roman did give Something up in this situation Where like Even though like Kendall like yes. said the line about yeah. Roman or whatever but, but But Roman is the only one that would Have like a place in this new Gojo like way-star deal, and he's worked hard all yeah. the season to get the to get his choice for the like future president. He did get Gojo, so he's part of the reason that. Helped. So he he is you know going through this where he's really having to have a choice where do I give up all this you know goodwill that I've like built up with Dad, even though he's damaged it a little bit obviously with a dick pic, but. You know he's has built uh, some goodwill and he can have he's like 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 I don't think with Kendall has any chance of being in the Gojo way star. The same with Shiv, but Roman he might be given like a little position, as what Matson did say earlier that Roman would be pivotal. In the whole, I that actually table, 100% matter.
0: agree Out of all of them he is actually giving Something concrete up because his position Has changed so much This season he's no longer a joke You know he's pivotal in a lot of things He brings Mattson to the table For this to even be a possibility He has that connection you know we've heard Time and time again that he's a people person He's got the skills he can do it And you know you sort of see that Very clearly this season and I just 100% agree with you that you know, there's something really great in that, in, in sort of giving up his position or to, to sort of help his siblings. And, yeah, everybody, any thoughts?
1: Yeah, Roman does have a lot to lose. Um, it's Um It's been interesting watching his arc through the season because, I mean, we remember in episode one where they're trying to figure out who's going to be interim CEO. And, you know, he calls Logan and... <laughs> inadvertently destroys all his chances by uh, sounding so weasily on the phone. Um, he's never truly been able to stand up to Logan. And, you know, I guess if we want to understand his decision-making, we we kind of need to ask ourselves why he would stand up to him this time. And I think that has to do with the fact that he feels united with his siblings. He, he understands that they have everything to gain by standing together, you know, and that's what has changed, you know, is it, is it Roman who's changed or is it his situation that's changed? And in a, in a sense, I think it might be both. I think the situation has changed a bit more because now um, his siblings are involved, but they don't really know what they're walking into. As Logan says, you know, they came in guns blazing and then their guns turned into sausages, which is incredible writing first of all, mm-hmm. but, but also it's, it, it's, it's like, you know, R- Roman, has come a long way and now he, he has some influence and yes he would have a place in the new world order, but you know, Kendall and Shiv have been have been struggling because Logan doesn't respect them in the way that they want or in the way that would be in any way decent. And Roman kind of has that, but it's you know hanging by a thread. And it's very sad to him because he has to come to terms with the fact that um as I was saying earlier, Logan has always suspected there was something wrong with him. And it's, it's it's quite sad and ironic and possible that the that there being something wrong with him is a result of Logan thinking that in the first place because he didn't have the yeah. love and nurturing that he, that that he should I should have had yeah you know and right at the end as well you know where you know it's interesting how Jerry's words about doing things that serve one's own interests came home to roost in this episode in the most mechanical possible yeah. way. You know, she, she does mm-hmm. feel for Roman in that moment. She's proud of him and how far he's come and what he's doing now, but there's nothing she can do. And Karen Calkin yeah. really acts out that, that, um, that, that discomfort. That hurt, that, in hurt, the that best betrayal.
0: Way. You know, the lack of options that is glaring you in the face is like, I've played all my cards and I've lost. And that is a look that we've seen on Kendall several times we see it with the the vote of no confidence very you know you know he's walking in the street and he's just stunned at the way that things have gone and I'm going on but I just want to quickly catch on your point about changing because obviously I think you you've watched that Jesse Armstrong featurette where he says that he doesn't really believe that people change and in a New Yorker profile that he does he says he quotes Marx and he says you know Men make their own, sorry, open quotation. I'm starting to quote now. Men make their own history, but they do not make it as they please. They do not make it under self-selected circumstances, but under circumstances existing already, given and transmitted from the past. And Armstrong says, quote, open, for me, a lot of the art and the work of the show is in that territory between what's history in the broadest sense, what's family history, what's tradition, and what's the room for one's own choices and your own making of your life and your world. And there's a gap there, which that mysterious thing about human personality fills. And I just love that you brought up this idea of Roman having a choice to make and whether that is a result of you know, the history, his material circumstances were making it very Marx, Marxist. His material conditions have changed. Or is it that as a person, he's moved from one post? To another, because, you know, everyone understands that drama, drama is about change. Drama occurs when events change and happen. That's what most plays are about, or most stories have your three-act structure. You know, your character goes through something. Um, but, uh, Adol often always says, you know, repeats that the show is very cyclical. And, you know, you, you do often see these characters go back to who they were and struggle between the people that they could be and what their material conditions allow them to be your, will benefit them greatly to be as people and i and i think this is is a way that i think in a in a little way roman is sort of acting against his own interests but maybe not maybe he's acting in the interests of a him who's going to be powerful enough to take down logan Great. and i also love that the plan that they make in the car is literally kens plan from the beginning of the season and it's back to this whole idea of like yeah. cyclical things because it's like but they had to go through this. They had to, um, you know, Kendall had to be reborn in his like n- no longer guilty and sad and depressed state. Roman had to grow up. Shiv had to realize who she really was to her father in order for them to end up here, united. I think that's really important Um, and just a really great little detail about where sometimes you need to be in order to see the truth of things and how unity is a great sort of lens by which you can see the world anew.
1: Yeah, sometimes you're not ready for for the truth, I suppose. Um and and that plays out pretty much exactly like that in 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 this entire scenario because it's also very interesting to me that they didn't really include Connor in their discussion. I mean, Roman quote unquote layers him in later. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's, 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 it's sort of, you know, the whole plan for, for, for what could happen. And, and, and they, I think maybe if they had broadened their thought a little bit, things might've gone differently. But at the same time, they can their thoughts can only go as broadly as what they're capable of, and they're only capable of what they've been able to <laughs> form in the playpen that that um that Logan has put them in, right? Yeah. But Kieran Calkin was fantastic because I think I saw him put on more facial expressions this episode than maybe the entire um show combined. Because I mean, he felt the entire range of emotions. His character felt the entire range of emotions throughout the episode. I mean, if you really just yeah. watch his face, everything he's doing with his body, like the hurt, yeah. the disgust, the shock, um, mm-hmm. even the, um, the, the sense of victory, the vulnerability, all of yeah. it. It's it's there's it's, it's there's, fun, there's it's fun this to point see. where he
0: sort of exhales when he asks them, Are we really doing this? And it's 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 such a beautiful, subtle, you know, detail that I just love. But I'm um, sorry, I just wanted to quickly mention Shiv calling Tom. And I honestly think that she could have still salvaged this thing had she just had a place for him. You know, when she when he asks, and where do I, I sit think so in? too? And he goes, Hi up, hi up. You know, I, I can't really talk about that. Right and it's like he is just, I think, so. Oh God, he's such an afterthought for her. He is so not. He's not a person even. And I think it's so great that they have Lady Caroline, you know, say to us last week that Logan never loved anything. That he didn't kick to see if it would come back. And this episode just was like Tom has been kicked enough. Like he has been kicked.
1: And he keeps coming back to
0: the, to the point where, and now he is not coming back anymore. You know, he, he chose yeah. himself. I, I think, um, you know, I want to go to Tom and Greg's little scene after this and then we'll talk about Tom, obviously, as we end the episode. But, I I, I what know, what, what did you think? Did you think that at that point it was already done or did you think that there was still space for Shiv to salvage something there?
2: Yeah, like, I think he just gave him, you know, one more chance. Like, he keeps, he's, give, he's been given a chance all season to just, like redeem herself, like just give him a little bit of something. And I think like that was just his last hope, like let's see and again she just called him to use him again. Like like she the only reason she called him is that so that he can get a statement out for ATN. That that was the only reason. So I think yeah, that was like you know, he saw the chance and yeah, just like he said, he's never seen Logan lose and, you know, he I guess he put the bet on the right horse, but yeah, like I, I thought he was giving her one last chance and she still didn't take it.
0: Yeah, um, so quickly just to move on, um, the Tom and Greg little scene is packed with so much emotion. So, one thing I really like, I think there's because Nicholas Braun is just freakishly tall even though Matthew McFadden himself is quite a tall person. I love how Tom often has to look up to Greg when they're standing. It creates this sort of beautiful intimacy. And Matthew McFadden's eyes always look, when he's with Tom, very sort of, I don't know how to, like, you know that meme where the eyes, I said the meme, the emoji, where the eyes are sort of watering? Like, he always, there's just sort of this, like, very earnest hope in his eyes that is, that I think also because he has to look up, it's emphasised. And I think that that just brings something a little extra to the scenes that they have together. And It's like the
2: picture, I, I just, it's like the thing, the scene from Pride and Prejudice, like, that's how <laughs> Rain, oh my yeah, god scene, i love that in the rain the rain scene
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: i love that from you but
0: again sorry i just wanted to mention some lines that i thought were beautiful and just perfect writing the endless middle to the bottom of the top i thought that was such a fantastic written line and i think this whole thing about the endless middle is very much sort of the position that tom has found himself throughout the show, you know, and in his marriage as well. This this idea of, like, being, having a position but not being secure and this endlessness of it, it's this, I think, the relentlessness of the insecurity that he felt throughout his marriage with Siobhan or through his marriage with Siobhan. It's not over yet. Um, and his position in the company too, you know, in the season two, they go to then and he's the one that has to be shitted on. He's the one that... Is ridiculed and A joke and Just used in so Many ways in this season he's the Pawn he's the sacrifice That's going to prison And then you have you know Shiv Can't even deal with his pain About going to prison she can't even lend him that And it's so weird because I think he even Forgives her but then last episode You know she says that she doesn't even love him You know she he he. Yeah I, I don't know I really like that line And I think that Bottom of the top is also a great, great analysis and great parallel about moving up in society and how allegiances shift. I love how Greg says, you know, in the beginning, I'm against, you know, like racism and, you know, my, my, it's my principles. And it's just sort of the undoing of these principles. And I, And I love this idea of the perception that you have of yourself as morally right or morally good, the ethics that you have what when what 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 do they become when you are really tested and I think it's you know Nietzsche in uh genealogy of morals it's I, I think it's very interesting because it's like you should do a genealogy of your own morals you should ask yourself why you have certain principles you should ask yourself why you believe certain things and I think that this show makes it very clear that like a lot of things in this world, it is only about convenience. The moment it is no longer convenient to be a good person, it stops. And we see that with Kendall, um, with the performance of Workness this season. We see that with a lot of the characters, actually. We see that them being kind is very much about their desperation. But I think it's interesting that Tom offers kindness to Greg, even in a position where he's about to triumph. Because he offers that same kindness when he's about to go to prison. You know, he just hangs hang your misgivings on my Christmas tree of misdeeds. Um, so I really like that. And, you know, again, they bring back the sporus imagery. And again, the who has ever looked after you in this fucking family. So I just wanted to, you know, see what you guys thought about the scene. I know everybody has some thoughts about Greg. The guilt-free switch up with the Contessa it was so funny. Um, and yeah, what do you guys think about this?
1: It's just wild because, I mean, even when um, Greg first says that line that you just brought up, the, the one about his principles, Tom actually responds and says, um, you don't have principles, Greg, don't be an asshole. That was actually really funny, even back then when when it first happened. And, you know, Tom just appearing at the end of three or nine. And, you know, that took the actual breath out of my lungs because Seeing him there, I was, I was just shocked because it all made sense. You know, he's learned a lot about looking after himself this season, and it's stunning. You know, Greg isn't the only one, as I've said, who, who has been maturing in, in the shadows or in, in a vacuum. Because, I mean, it, it's a lesson. You know, they've been beating Tom. They've been kicking him. And, you know, she unequivocally told him, I don't love you, And she even drives the knife in further by saying that she would flush their babies down the toilet or something. And then now she's trying to make changes that would alter his entire life and livelihood and isn't even consulting him or giving him a chance to actually, you you know, have a say. You know, it's, it's, it's just kind of interesting because despite their terrible marriage, Tom and Shiv's connection, actually reached new heights this season. You know, they've managed to stay more consistent with their communication, if nothing else. And the show sneakily draws threads um, through, like, all, all the stuff that they, that they say. Because, like, that needle that is threading, you can follow that line. And through their phone calls, you can see the trajectory of the comfort that kind of changes um, into mm-hmm. complete... Um, devastation at the end because, you know, they tell each other everything yeah. and this gives Shiv a strong sense of security in, the, in her maintenance yeah. of control in of their relationship, mm-hmm. right? But Tom uses that to his advantage later on when he's mm-hmm. like, you know what, it's time to have some agency, you know, and yeah. Greg comes along with him. I, th- I think it's very telling. You know, I said before how, um you know, money without power to people in this family is just not that appealing. And Greg is a member of this family it's in his blood it's very telling that when he's having the conversation with tom he's like will i have my own greg (laughs) because because he he wants to be able to kind of wield that influence and um that 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 comes through for both of them because now they're they're, for the first time these two guys are in the best possible position that they could be in
2: and it's because
1: they've Kind of, they've they they've kind of come back to, with a vengeance against the people who've been taking them for granted, and yeah, it will be very interesting to see to see where that goes, especially if Tom is going to have um, a child with Shiv, because I mean, she she literally um, is losing her mind trying to come to terms with what has happened. She asks who told him, then she sees Tom, then it's a gut punch and it's a slap in the face all at the same time. We see her process this information in complete and utter shock and then she puts on a game face when he asks her what's happened and then she's like yeah you know mom screwed us over but you can see how she walks away and she's still coming to terms with everything she can't believe it um but you know Logan is somewhat proud of him i mean he calls tom's son earlier in the episode you know and it's it's i, I mean earlier in the season and it's it, it's kind of cool to see how like different allegiances have had their seeds planted over the course of the past 9 episodes
2: yeah, I don't yeah, that's any great. I love that. Yeah, like I love everything he just said. And in terms of like how Tom has been getting kicked, I think I think Greg this whole season, they've been emphasizing how he was treated by Kendall and even these two episodes just emphasizing like this this whole Roman thing and you think, okay, it's not really going anywhere. But then when he talks about the attack dog, and now we see that Greg's going on that side as well. So we start to see that that maybe there's a dynamic like building here where Greg has some like uh what's the word like like hidden hatred or like annoyance of Kendall and and uh and Roman and maybe next season this is like gonna come out where he takes his revenge I guess but yeah I like I thought it was interesting. like it made sense that the whole there was a watching with Kendall. The whole way he wanted to ask like uh like uh Comfrey out and Kendall says no like stay away whatever and then like yeah so like I thought that was with, with the threads were all making sense by the end of this episode so yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I, I really like that, and I think this idea of sort of like the phone calls, and yeah, I think you know I don't think Siobhan really sees Tom as a partner. He's sort of more like a like a like a support dog, um, and that he's Roman there. Doesn't Roman have her. a line
2: about that? I, I swear oh, he Roman probably says does. About, uh, yeah, there was yeah. I think last episode, maybe there was something. Yeah, he, he said
0: he's he is sort of like a pet for her and I think something I just find really interesting about the very transactional nature of that relationship because you know at the very beginning you know he says they have this perfect line. He's like, let's make sure we don't have an unbalanced love portfolio. And I think it's really interesting that we sort of see her mum with a very similar character to her because her mum has decided that she can't survive on, what is it, macaroni and memorial services because she she's decided that she doesn't want to be alone. You know, she's at the point in her life where she wants a partner and as goofy and ridiculous as this Peter guy is, he's the one she's chosen. And I think, you know, you hear about how Shiv and Tom's relationship was sort of born in a place where she wasn't sort of mentally stable or she needed a crutch or someone. And I think it's it's as a result of that, he's never been, in her eyes, a real partner. And, you know, Logan says as much in Austerlitz, you know, you chose someone who could never betray you. And I think it's just so interesting how everyone underestimates him.
1: And now he's, he's sort, he understands his position and he's used that understanding against the people who've put him there. You know, Tom yeah, and Greg but, are kind of like coming back.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's great that you say this idea of like reading the room and being able to use it because there's a great scene in the church where, you know, Greg says one thing to the Contessa and another thing to Comfrey. Um, it's about this yes. being able to be very malleable in order to suit yourself, in order to get the best outcome.
1: Yeah. So you can't survive as a Greg or a Tom without being malleable.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. You need to be able to play the changing tides, or at least predict the changing tides. And I think that's something that Greg even sort of did with Kendall at the end of the last season. You know, by being on his side for the for the for the the revelation or the conference about you know the misdoings at Waystar. I think this. Thing about a deal with the devil is very interesting and I just really like it because I think it also foreshadows the unreliability of an alliance with Logan and the the shaky ground that these characters are building their futures on which we are warned in, in the way that all characters sort of building your future or, or putting your, your 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 life on hold because of a promise from Logan is a treacherous path. I mean, Siobhan does it in season two ken does it his whole life and it's taken away from him in the pilot episode but yeah we can go to the 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 end scene you know they're they're at logan's headquarters of him doing the deal water pistols in bali <laughs> uh what did you guys think of this scene um and what were your pickup points or moments from it that really came to you i, w- I want you guys to start first um maybe Adol starts and we can
2: follow Wait, which scene again? Sorry, Miss Head.
0: So, the scene at the very end where they get to the chateau and they see Logan.
2: Oh, oh yeah.
0: They finally confront him, the confrontation, basically.
2: Uh, oh my god, you put me on the spot. Can someone else go first? Then I'll go.
0: Okay, everybody can go and then Adol, can you go?
1: Sure. I think, first of all... <laughs> um baron cox logan mimicking shiv is probably going to get in the Emmy. just that alone that's like my favorite piece of acting from the entire episode (laughs) i mean that was that was really funny to watch i mean them walking in at first i had thought that um somebody at the front desk or like some all the numerous people they walked through somebody had told them told logan you know what was going on and that's how he knew they were here. But later we find out that you know it's through, um, it's 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 it's, it's through Tom. But the thing is, he says um, in that scene that they should have trusted him. You know, he he didn't expect them to come and try this, but at the same time, he had an idea of what might happen, and he protected himself, which is more than he's ever done for them. Like he didn't try to protect them, even though he should be protecting them because they are his legacy. You know, there's this whole thing of how he says the words. You should have trusted me, and Shiv says you can't trust you can't trust him. She says that's a Roman, and you and we remember that Roman was going through this huge um, point of inflection where he didn't know what to do, who he should believe, and then he sides with his siblings, and then he pays the price for that. But probably yes, they should have trusted Logan, of course. But the thing is, how could they do that when everything that they've ever known, everything they've been taught has pointed towards them doing the exact opposite because Logan doesn't give people security, at least not with words, right? You can't really trust what he's saying. And it's, um, it, 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 it's a huge demonstration of how he's such an expert at gaslighting because it's very chilling. And the sad thing is that it, it reinforces the notion that not only can they not trust their dad, but they forgot that they also can't trust their mom. You know, because the entire crux of what they were trying to do here depended on how she had protected them in the past. When she divorced Logan, she secured this for them so that he wouldn't be able to mess with their legacy without their consent. That's why it was in the divorce settlement that, you know, he can't make a move like this without a supermajority in the holding company. But then he reopens that settlement. And because of that, they, they lose all. The, their footing completely, the ground is taken off from under them. And she gives that up. She gives up basically the most motherly thing she's ever done for a chance at final happiness between her and Peter. She gets; she takes that at the expense of her children. And I think there's some f- foreshadowing in this in episode eight, um, Kiantisha, when Kendall asks, okay, you're giving this to Logan, what does your son get? You know, what does your son get? And what does your yeah. ex-husband whom you hate to get. Yeah. Right. And now we, we see that. We now see vividly the answer to this question. So it's an exercise in futility for them, for the children, but it's it's proof of what um Tom said about about Logan, you know, to Kendall. He says, I've s I've I have i have i i have seen him I I I've never I've never seen him um get fucked. And yeah. you know, that that really that that really comes home here. And you and and the fact that Kerry is in the room, she's facilitated everything. I mean, for, for all we know, the way he talked to them when they first walked in was just the method of stalling because he looks over at Kerry and asks um, if she's still on, and Kerry says, it's done. Because probably through all of that, she was able to get things completed. She was um, with, with Caroline so that they could um, completely um, change what's in the settlement. Carl was, is there. Yeah. Frank is there. And, and they've um, already Jerry embarrassed as well. themselves. I mean, this... Exactly. So, I mean, yeah. all of this is done. I mean, and everybody's watching silently as this is happening. They're completely puppets on I think that's string such here. a
0: great... You know what I love as a great detail on the scene, and I'm so happy you reminded me because I almost forgot. I love how we know that they're in the room, but we don't get their reactions, which is something that I feel would usually happen. The scene is really focused on Logan and his children. And just... The, the the energy and the emotions in that scene i think it's really really just interesting that that happens i don't know i just i just found it um a uh, really a good choice but yeah as you said logan mocking shiv was ooh, that was very daunting it's is uh, i remember my friend tweeted something about how his ability to make people feel small is the reason why he will always win because he just has that presence. And I think Brian Cox as an actor has that truly presence too in, in in this ability that you will never be a giant in 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 a room with him. You will always be inferior. And I, I just wanted to talk about a couple, you know, things. I think there's something very, very surgical about the way that Logan talks about this deal. And so it's so practical. It's so much about the facts. It's so much about the The business, it's just straightforward. It's transactional. It's about what can I get? How can I keep winning? How can I make, you know, he says, you know, ours is a declining business. It has to be now. I feel it in my bones. It's his trusting of his own instinct as well. It's very him-centric. There's something really sad because we see a journey that is incredibly fueled by emotion, not by motive, with the children in this episode. And even in this scene, their stance is, you know, you can tell us together. That's what Roman says. You know, they are, and later on, obviously, you know, oh, so sad. You know, Roman says, you know, I've got love, and you know, that means nothing, absolutely nothing, to Logan because it doesn't. It win. does. Yeah, and I, I just think that's something that's really um. But another thing I really like is when you know he he you know as you said they say they can't trust him and they can't trust uh, uh, what do you call it sorry he, you know they say they can't trust their father and you mentioned how there is something for Roman there. But I think it's interesting how he talks about, you know, adversity. He says that with such passion. I, I love the way Brian Cox delivers that line. And I think it's so important because he has had what he called, you know, a knife fight in the mud. You have that beautiful shot in the Ausulids episode where you see the scars on his back. You hear the way that he and his brother grew up. You see, you know, he, he has that struggle. He has that struggle. He he is that struggle. He is that fight. He, you know, he's the embodiment of what it means to be a warrior and to keep going until you've won. All it is is it's, it's about winning battles, right? And I think it's like Logan has a life that is not what the children has had. And he recognizes why they are weak, I think, in a, in a way that he sees that these children don't have any adversity. So, of course, they're going to be weak. And again, you again, I think the this episode is so good because, you know, Kendall says as much. He says, you're so fucking jealous of what you've given your children. Of everything you've so, given
1: your own kids. Yeah. You're
0: so fucking hurt that they can benefit from you know they just have ease because of what you've done because they don't deserve it. Um and again just the whole thing about playing Toy Soldier's he's so unimpressed. I think that's I think another thing that hits home in this scene. He's so unimpressed when he mocks Shiv. He's just like you are all a bunch of ridiculous clowns and I think it's also the audacity for him that they thought that they could defeat him it's like what do you think this is and again obviously the perfect line of I fucking win which I just think is incredible and again as you've said sort of no alliance from any of the parents and yeah I don't know I, I found that really really sad but um Adol any thoughts before we keep going
2: yeah I was I actually was you stole my thought with the whole like him being disappointed but like he doesn't realize that like, he has all the advantage. Like, he just happens to have this leverage over uh, Lady Carolyn's new husband that he was able to use, like, in that situation. And, like, he's so disappointed that the kids don't have anything else. Just like you said, you came in, like, guns blazing, and now they've turned into sausages. Like, all you have is love. Like, he's so disappointed that they don't have, like, another play or another card that they can, like, flip out on him and say, oh, yeah, like you did this, but we have this, and like, but he doesn't realise it's it's always unfair, because he's always got, like, all the chips already, or, or whatever, there's there's probably, like a, like, a word to say, like, when the house, or something, like, when someone has all the chips on their side, and it's like, you're always playing, like, a losing game, and it's an, always a the losing game. The house
1: always wins.
2: Yeah, the house always wins, and it's like, he always wins, but, like, there's never a chance for them to win, but he wants them to win so bad, but, like, you can never win against him because they don't even have any leverage that they can use, I guess. But yeah, that's all I had.
0: Yeah. It goes back to the smile at the end of this is not for tears because he's just finally happy to be defeated in a way. He's, he's, you know, finally proud to be upstaged to have something done against him. You know, uh, obviously it sort of ripples into a broken relationship between him and Kendall, but I don't know, like, I, I definitely agree with that. And, yeah, I just wanted to touch on, I think, Roman's performance, this whole scene, is just fantastic. I can't praise it enough. I'm sorry, Kieran's performance. And I think that scene with Jerry is incredibly heartbreaking when, you know, he asks, how does it serve my interest? But I also think it's a signifier of how he's also reached the end of his rope with Jerry. You know, like, the dick pics, like, the fact that he compromised her position by just being silly, um, and I and I think that that's also something to be said about how the alliances in this show are incredibly fragile and incredibly tenuous. And I think that again, it's it's a sh- it's a show about selfishness, and the Logan thing feeds into the Jerry thing. You know, how does this make me win? How how can I be on top after I make this decision? And last episode, I I literally said to Adil how. The suspense in this show comes from placing your trust in other people. And we see how that fails Shiv with Tom's betrayal. Um, But it also fails the children because they trust their father to at least, even if he doesn't love them or treat them nicely, to at least have their best interests at heart. But he doesn't. They trust their mother to at least, you know, support them in the very minuscule way that she can, because it's not like she can really do much else for them but um yeah i i think that that's really really sad and uh, you know tom's betrayal is i think the the main sort of thread of the fin- like the finale or the, the thing that really ties it all together and i think mark mylod says in the in the featurette he goes tom is a realist and a romantic and he's been on his way to making this decision and Oh, I know it's really brutal, but I, I just want to know what was you guys's initial reactions to the scene. Um, you know, when you saw it unfold,
1: I was incredulous. I, I was so surprised. Um, like, I just, didn't.
2: I, I didn't even realize yeah. something till like after. Then, like when I went back to watch the scene, that like, that's when the whole Tom thing. Like I don't know. I ended up like like missing out the part. Like I don't know why, but I didn't see the part where Logan like like puts his hand on. Tom's shoulder so like I was still reeling from the betrayal of like the mother I guess and I didn't realise the something but yeah like Roman just broke me in that situation because like you could see the the conflict that was going on within him like when like when Logan's like trying to bait him with the whole like Kendall thing like oh like get him out of here and you can just see like how he's like almost like whispering like, oh no like I want him in here and it's better that he's here and like he just like he just showed that the, the conflict he was going through just so well and then you truly believe that like everything he's done with like I feel like with Roman everything he's done with Jerry and and Logan it's like yeah he wants to be successful but it also he also wants to like impress them and garner their love I guess and there's but they had nothing of that like back for him it's literally just his interest and he I, I feel like he genuinely had like, loves Jerry and or wanted their love, you know, in his own fucked up way, you know, his mommy issues. And yeah, uh, he yeah, does. That just, yeah, that was just, like, really heartbreaking. But, yeah. And Shiv as yeah. well, like, like, everyone was amazing. Like, the level of, of acting, like, I can't remember of a series where there was, like, you got, like, mm-hmm. the Kendall scene earlier or the Connor scene, then the Kendall scene, then this one where, like, Brian Cox and Sarah Snook—they're all just like doing phenomenal yeah. things. And yeah, it was just amazing no. That
0: final look from Sarah Snook is crazy good. I think it's sort of the yeah. the gasping for air when you're just just you've had a debilitating thing revealed, and just that sort of game face that she immediately puts on, and it's just yeah. fantastic. And I I just really love it. But I also just I just. So everyone, you know, talks about Shakespeare. And I think obviously, like, betrayal is one of Shakespeare's favourite, favourite themes. You see it in Julius Caesar, Et tu Brute," the most famous line. You see it in Macbeth, Othello, King Lear. It's a very great um, theme. And I think it's, it's, it's a really good way to sort of illustrate the drama of real life and the, the dissatisfaction of people's position or this satisfaction sorry that people have with their position in life that leads them to make choices like this. And it's, it's interesting that as shocking as the betrayal is, it is not unfounded. It is, it is incredibly justified and it is just so painful the way that it comes. And it's just, as you've said, sort of successive betrayals from the mother to Tom I think I just remember that, uh, a line from Henry VI, the play, and it's, it says, it's Shakespeare, it says, hide not thy poison with such sugared words, lay not thy hands on me, for bear I say, that touch affrights me as a serpent's sting, and I really love that line, because it's like, you know, Tom says to her, you okay, like, what's wrong and and you know she says oh mom fucked us and i think that's the moment she's realizing and he comes close to her and it's like a reverse godfather you know it's it's that kiss and shiv is realizing that she's been had but i i i think one of the most interesting or important things to me is that there is a real gap between shiv and tom because None of the characters are really, really honest with each other because it, it, it is, their relationship is so fragile. And I think that it, the season when Tom tries to be honest with Shiv about his fears about prison, his, you know, it's immediately met with contempt or boredom or just disdain. And I think that I think Shiv's afraid of honesty because she's afraid of vulnerability. She has this, as I said last week, avoidant attachment style. But I think is this, this, this insistence to be solitary, to be, to have this sort of self-determined existence where you rely on no one else has led to this failed love and this failed relationship because the obsession to manipulate and dominate has destroyed the relationship and ensured the alienation that she has feared from the beginning that stopped her from being vulnerable in the first place. Um, And I just think that it's really interesting because Tom is someone that I truly believe would have been loyal as a Labrador had she just treated him right. And he is also someone that I feel would have actually chosen her over riches and everything had she treated him right. And I think it's just great because in the season finale, season two, and I've been mentioning this all season, particularly Ada, like wondering where are they going because we we have that thread of doubt, zone where he says, you know, I wonder if the happy I'd be, you know, without you is, is 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 sorry, the sad I'd be without you is better than the sad I am with you, and we sort of don't really explore that explicitly, and I think that even though it's not explicitly explored here. Tom has made a choice. He has made a big choice. And I, I think my, my biggest takeaway, and I really want us to discuss is sort of what is going to be the outcome of this betrayal for that relationship and for the dynamics going forward. And I'd love to hear what um, Adel thinks and then everybody can follow.
2: I think, again, they'll still stay together, but it's just like, like again, like, like we said in the show, like nothing, a lot of people were saying that nothing, you know, is happening, nothing is changing but everything has changed from where they were at the start of the season. Because everyone was talking, oh, you know, they had that talk um, in, uh, there's no, I forgot what the episode was called, but in the finale of last season. And it's like, oh, they're still together, but nothing has changed. I think everything in their dynamic has changed. And like with this whole child w- or what we might, you know, she might be with pregnant, And, you know, it's just like we're going to see the dynamic probably flip, I guess. I'm not sure too much, not thought about it too much, but it's just interesting what we're going to get from their relationship, I guess.
0: Yeah, and Ebube, any thoughts on the outcome of the betrayal for them, their marriage or just any of the other characters, really?
1: I think that at the very least, it's going to bring up a sense of caution in her a sense of respect for what tom is capable of you know she's like a father in a lot of ways they don't really respect people who don't prove themselves capable of violence so oh i love that yeah so she she's you know logan told kendall you have to be a killer right and kendall does try to become one and he is capable of that and uh, like on some level but at his core, he's kind of a tender person. And he's a tender person who has been broken by things looming over him and the loneliness that comes from that. Whereas Shiv, her own thing is that she's always overplayed her hand due to her confidence. And her confidence has been chipped away gradually this season. The more she's come to terms with not just how out of place she is as someone with liberal sensibilities trying to lead a a firm like Waystar, but also as a woman in, a, in in an environment where people don't really respect women, even if th- some of those people are her own flesh and blood. So she's like her mother in terms of the way she approaches certain relationships, but in terms of how she approaches power dynamics, you know, she's like a father. In some ways, she's the most like him. So now that Tom has done this, we we will have to see what comes of that in terms of any children they might have what may go on in their relationship what she continues to tell him I mean I mentioned before the um, the phone calls and how you can kind of see a pattern in that is that pattern going to stop will she share less with him or will their communication change you know there are a lot of ways that this could go and now she I think understands, what's what 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 what's possible if she doesn't um keep her eye open she got into this complacent air of 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 condescension and now she's paying the price mm-hmm. for it so we'll, we'll see we'll see how tom himself feels going forward we'll see if he continues to show her affection even if it's two-faced um we'll see how he navigates his new alliance so to speak with logan i mean th- there's a lot i mean the i think the narrative has so much more to offer us and both these characters have rich storylines ahead for sure.
0: Oh, okay. I really like that. I'm so I just love that you brought up this violence because obviously we talk about how antagonistic this, you know, this thing is, but this whole thing you've said it, and I really think of Logan in this scene and even Shiv um and this idea of everyone thinking that they're at war, but it reminds me of this René Girard quote. I need to make sure that I say it properly, but it's about this thing about To escape responsibility for violence, we imagine it is enough to pledge to never be the first to do violence. But no one ever sees themselves as the person who has cast the first stone. And even the most violent person will always believe that they are reacting to to a violence committed by basically someone else. And I think that that is the essence of how Logan justifies that his actions are for his family but in the case of the children they have actually been the victims of violence the violence has come from their father and it's come from their, you know way that they've been raised to be you know adversaries with their own blood and everything is a competition and I think that I am really really interested to see how people transform or how they see themselves I think maybe Shiv will really reckon with herself as the killer of the three. I think sort of like you see, as you said, Kendall has a tenderness and an, a, a sort of softness that he cannot hide from Um and he, he cannot get rid of. And he has that conscience that weighs heavy on him. Um And yeah, sorry, I just wanted to mention something I really enjoyed. When he gets out of the car, he holds the hand of like the usher or the host or whoever it is. And I thought that moment was so beautiful and powerful. And I think it's, it's like a physical sort of expression of the way that he has released that guilt. And he's able to look at somebody in the eyes who I think maybe reminds him of this waiter, someone who is in their world to sort of help them. And, you know, he's yeah. finally able to to look, to look that person in the eyes. But yeah, again, I it think it was the waiters
2: as well that kind of triggered his, you know, yeah, like his confession. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. But I, I, I noticed that as well.
0: I think it's really funny um, that uh, you know, Logan like says, "Get away from these Jacobins, who are obviously like the French revolutionaries." But I, I think there's something yeah. to be said about the the imagery of revolution in in the in the finale from the Romanov thing to the, to the Greek yeah. thing, to the, to this, you know, French revolution imagery, which is one of, I guess, the most famous revolutions. Even
1: Tom, even Tom calling these people um, the, even Tom calling the, the Royal family of Luxembourg hemophiliacs, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just great. Like, I love how the show weaves European and as you said, said, Greek and even Roman history into um the dialogue of these people i mean the show is really great for its dialogue and it just kind of subtly reminds you that yeah that these people are actually very well educated like they're some of the most well-educated people on the planet because they have all the resources and it shows and the stuff that they say to each other
0: yeah but i i think i think i love um you know the idea of revolution as a place to leave the end because they have finally, you know, rebelled against the all-consuming force that is their father. And as, you know, you've all said, you've both said, it it, it leaves a lot for the next season. But I think, you know, the battle lines have really been drawn and we're no longer playing. And it's not like Kendall's little confession press conference from last season. We're really in the thick of it now. Um, you know, Romans on the floor, beautifully done where Kendall holds him. They sort of recreate that moment and they have that link physically. But I, I really think that it it does show how they are, um, on the brink of something new. I mean, you know, we all know that revolutions change the course of history. Um, and revolutions are, they are the beginnings often of new dynasties and we've talked about legacy and the children and the possibility of a shared pregnancy. So I just cannot wait to see how they are rewriting, you know, their legacy and the end of the Roys. And I, I wonder where they're going to take Logan's character, you know, now that he's sort of selling his company and, you know, where that leaves the children and what are they going to do? Are they going to fight for this? Are they going to do something else? Are they going to take down Logan? I think it's really interesting, especially with the little threads that are dropped about the Vanity Fair. Uh, sorry, not Vanity Fair, the little podcast being done, the Curse of the Roys. Um, And even in this episode, Connor has been threatening, I think, from the beginning to sort of reveal things about the company, about his father, and where they're going to take that information. I'm really, really interested to see. Uh, but overall, uh, what a fantastic season! I think. I think you know we've sort of rounded up our conversation, but obviously anyone can give their final thoughts.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I I think the season has uh, really brought a lot to the table this time. Um, just in terms of theme, in terms of dialogue, cinematography, all the new places that they went while making everything still feel the same and coherent. Um, I thought, I thought that was really nice. Um, I think it's also interesting how, you know, each season seems to end with some kind of epiphany that leads someone or multiple someone's to attempt a major tip of the scales of power. Um, if we, if we get to season four and see something similar, I wonder... You know who's who's going to be tipping who? I think that's that's something really nice to look forward to. But
0: yeah, so Adol and I will often do power rankings this and ep- in our episode. So oh, okay. Adol, who are your winners and losers for this episode? And then we'll do the season winner because it's good. I
2: guess the winner is Matson. Um. 100%. And, obviously, and obviously, Logan, because just like yeah. he says, he always wins. He never loses. He's just so, he's Teflon, man. What are you going to do? But yeah. And Tom as well. Tom Who Greg, are your losers,
0: I Oh, sorry.
2: Yeah, Tom, of course. Losers. Uh, losers. <laughs> uh, I'd say Roman.
1: Like, yeah, I'd say same. Ken
2: kind of won because kendall you know, he got his. yeah. Same. He got his. You know his catharsis, uh, his, his,
0: his yeah, his personal um, victory. Mm. But, yeah,
2: like yeah, but uh, Roman is the biggest loser for sure.
0: Everybody who were winners and losers.
1: Uh, Matson, first of all, I, I agree. I, I don't think anyone won more than Matson because he's the one person who everything went exactly as he wanted, <laughs> but throughout like throughout the course of the season. Um, he played his hand perfectly, and um, you have to kind of give that to him. Logan is a winner as well, even though Don't he Peter, claims to have yeah. some kind of bittersweetness. Peter Munion
0: also got exactly. Yeah, Peter Yeah, <laughs> Pete, Peter
1: Munion was, was was Yeah, he was. He's <laughs> next on my list. Trust me, I have a whole list of winners. Peter Munyan is is on that list of winners. I'm willing to say Jerry is on that list of winners as well because things have worked out quite well for her. If I do say mm. so myself
0: interesting Um,
1: comfrey is on the list of winners yes comfrey is on the list of winners as far as i'm concerned yes because she um she has gone kind of from um well-meaning well-managed and um comfortable obscurity into potentially something a lot more lucrative um greg thinks that she that he used her as a date ladder but i'm pretty sure she's also used him because if the whole thing is true about her working for the contestor while greg dates her and she's cool with that then that's actually a win for her honestly because um, that's going to open a lot of doors for her and that's going, going to kind of expand um her own horizons speaking of which greg is a winner as well um greg i'm constantly worried about i still take points for him with the whole greenpeace thing i, I Oh, geez, he needs to to kind of figure that whole thing out. But yeah, I'm going to give Greg a win. I'm going to give Tom a win as well because I like that he's finally taking some agency and he's making some hard decisions because despite everything we've said, I don't think any of this was easy for him, to be honest with you. I think that he had to kind of come to terms with what would happen if he made this decision, how it would affect the woman that he loves and the future that they may or may not have together after this point. Um, Roman is a loser here. I feel very bad for him and what's gone on. I think a few other people have kind of stayed the same, but Roman Roman is a, it's a loser, and I'm not sure Caroline has won either because, at the very least, the thing that she complained about having from her children this whole time has been indifference. But now, instead of indifference, she might actually get vitriol from them. So I'd say she should kind of watch out uh but yeah i think i think that's probably as comprehensive a list of um of winners and losers as i can as i can give mm. um kendall is still somewhere in the middle he's won but he's also lost but also he kind of accepted his fate already so. yeah so yeah
0: i i disagree that kendall is a loser because i think that he's gone through such a crucible that like the things that the rest of the characters are in competition for, he's no longer in the race. So I feel like yes, he won exactly. this episode because he, he was able to, I think through his vulnerability, help his siblings out of their, their, their fugue state to where they're sort of stuck on their father and they can really see the light now. And I think that he's also won yeah. because he's, he's been able to release himself of the pain of of the guilt that he's had. But I disagree with you about Lady Caroline. I don't think she really gives a shit about these kids, man. I can't even lie to you. I don't think she... I think now that she has her man... That's the thing.
1: She, she doesn't. I She doesn't. But she does. But she has all, always complained. She She's always kind of complained about how she hasn't gotten enough attention for them. And she yeah. really articulated that in episode eight. So, no. I mean, I wonder how she'll feel going forward. Maybe she's not going to care at all. But yeah, yeah she, I mean, like I said, I agree say, with you on she, Kendall. He he's won she, and lost.
0: She she does say that she does say that she is sorry. But my winners and losers, obviously, Mattson's a great winner because he gets everything according to plan. My loser for this episode, yeah. my winner for this episode is also Connor. He he got his yes. My loser is Willa though, because I think she's finally realised the that. marriage. Yeah. She, Connor definitely gets
1: is, a win this
0: episode. The, the marriage is not exactly what she wants. Um, I also think that Connor is able to assert himself and, and and get his siblings to see him in a way that they probably never have, which I think will bring new things for yeah. the relationship, especially given this like very strong alliance that all the siblings have now. I think it'll be an important beat in the next season. I think the loser yes. this episode is uh obviously Roman and I think Shiv greatly loses a partner that she believes she has, as awful as she is. I think this is a really painful knife in knife in the gut for her. Um, as we said, I also agree that Tom is conflicted, so I really wouldn't put him straight as a winner, but given his position this season, he goes straight to the top for me because he has been so down bad this season, so it is quite good to see him on the top again. Logan, again, obviously always a winner. Um, and, yeah, I think that that's sort of my final thoughts on it. I, I am ready to sort of sign off unless anyone else has anything else to say.
1: Um, I'm just going to agree with you again on, you know, Kendall being... Um Kendall having one, I suppose, because he's found a sense of freedom that hopefully his, his siblings yeah. can take a cue from. Because when, when, yeah. when you worry about what other people think about you, you'll always be a prisoner. You know, and yeah. that's the reason that these kids are eternally, you know, beholden to Logan because mm-hmm. they're constantly seeking his approval and he's never giving yeah. it to them. So yeah. it's it, I hope if it, I'm not caring, hopefully that liberates them a bit.
0: Yeah. I love the line in the car that says pass me the fucking shotgun, because that really is what it is. You know, he's yeah, because he's, he's ready.
1: He's, been he's ready.
0: ready. He's at the end of this whole, he's no longer interested in, in what the father thinks. And I think he's the most aware of that, especially in that, those final moments. Um, But yeah, I wanted to just have some quick round of thoughts on the season before we sort of quickly wrap up. Um, I really don't like what they did with Marsha's character this season. I feel like they made such a big deal about her with the deal signing in the in the like first t- two and three episodes or whatever, <laughs> I that was and them then
1: closing her out actually, and
0: then they did. Oh, that's actually a really good way to see it. But then they didn't really do anything. But then I guess I'm really happy you brought in that perspective because yeah, maybe that is them sort of putting her to the side, and then they sort of gave us Carrie to focus on. So actually, yeah, now that you've said that, i sort of resolved my thoughts on that. But overall, I thought this was a fantastic se- 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 season. I think the strings at the end. Of the the credits were amazing and the choir was brilliant. It was so dramatic and just felt like the most perfect ending to a perfect episode. I have really enjoyed this season. I have always had faith in these writers, and I like the new alliances that we have and what they're gonna do for the next season. But I think that we've come to the end of the episode. I really want to say thank you so much to Adel, uh, who has sort of been like doing this whole thing with me for the past couple of weeks. So Adol, thank you very 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 much um, sort of giving no, a whole no new problem. shape to the episodes and I've been really back with me you. So much
2: to talk about it. <laughs>
0: and thank you so much everybody for coming on at like the most last minute notice ever and bringing such oh, of insightful and thoughtful takes and i love how this conversation has played out it's been basically three hours long guys but i really hope that you guys enjoy listening to this episode as much as i know that we've enjoyed recording it for you um, as always, you guys can reach out to me on my so- socials at Downtime with Haja, on Instagram at Downtime with HC, on Twitter. I am always very welcome to listen to your theories and your predictions. And I just want to know how you guys feel about the seasons and the characters as um, now that we've come to an end and have seen the way that the story was intended to pan out. I also want to shout out Bancale, because if not for Bancale, I would not have known to invite everybody onto this podcast. And I've also really enjoyed his coverage of the season um, on his podcast, Popcorn for Dinner, which I will put in my description. And so, yeah, I think that if anyone has anything to plug, Adol, everybody, anything you guys want to plug or anything you guys want people to go and have a look at, let me know. But if not, I will round up.
1: I'm um, sure. Uh, uh, I actually, I um, co-directed a short film earlier this year, and um, we released it in July. It's called Safe Spaces. And yeah, I'd love yes, for eh? anyone to, to watch it and tell tell us what they think. It's about how our culture influences the ways we give and receive love. Um, it's a short documentary. And um, yeah, I hope it's, um, it's insightful and that anyone who watches it enjoys doing so as much as we loved making it it was an interesting journey
0: oh that's amazing i really 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 hope i'm definitely going to watch that because i'm so interested in that topic um and uh i will love to discuss it with you so i'll let you know when i watch that but yeah guys thank you very much this has been episode 22 i have been your host with my amazing guests and Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening.